Hey, strangers. Welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. Kurt didn't look ready for that at <laughs> yeah, all. When, when you said we were just going to do it, I didn't know what you meant immediately do it. I thought we were going to prep some more. Following instructions. <laughs> did not expect uh, that. So what is this? Season six, six episode something or other. Yeah. <laughs> I lose count about uh, this time of the year. I think 11. Oh, my God. No way. I now think I have so. To look. I'm that, almost positive it's 11. We that far in. We are. We, no. We I'm are that look. far in. I'm going to look. I think Kurt's lying to me right now. <laughs> I'm not, because I think the last one was 10. Oh my God, it is. Yep. Okay, well, welcome to season this six, episode 11. season's almost done already. Dang. This is only going to be a 10 episode season. <laughs> oh, well, so we're done, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no. This is a bonus episode. This is a bonus um, episode. Hey, if you don't want to sit through the jibber jabber at the beginning here, taste tests, housekeeping, welcoming new strangers, just check the show notes. Kurt will have posted the timestamp for Jibber jabber always makes me think of Mr. T. Yeah. Mr. T. Pity oh, the fool. God. Who doesn't love a good Mr. T reference? <laughs> um, Kurt will post the timestamp of the actual topic start. So oh, I feel will. free to. <laughs> oh, yes, he will. Feel free to check that out. Um, by the way, I'm Krista, and this is Kurt with me. What's up? Just, <laughs> just in case this is your first time joining us. Um, yeah, that's I it. always like have... I don't know. It's weird when you say that because I always just assume people start at the beginning, but I don't. Like no, if there's a podcast either. I love, I just dive into it. I look for a topic I like. And yeah. I and I dive in. I've listened to so many about the smiley face killers and mm-hmm. some of them are just ugh, not so good. Yeah. It's all about the host. And but the some are really good. Uh I think Corey said he listens to the cabin now, the oh, one about it's Wisconsin. So good, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I haven't gotten to like the Quick Trip episode or I love Quick Trip or any of that. There's a haunted episode I have bookmarked that I want to listen to too. But I cool. Jump into shoutouts. Let's do it. Since the last episode, we've had one new listener. Hold on, that deserves a. We just suck. People don't love us. Just one new stranger. It doesn't mean we've only had one new listener. That's true. People one just don't stranger. love us. People don't love us anymore. Nope. But that's okay. We're that's getting fine. Yeah. We'll be okay. The honeymoon's over. Yep. <laughs> Six seasons in, the honeymoon's over. <laughs> the honeymoon over. phase is over. So we want to give a shout out to our newest stranger, Randall Stewart. Hi, Randall. Hi, Randall. Thank you so much for joining the strangers. We love you, Randall. And just because you're the only one that yep. <laughs> you get special attention. Extra special shout out. Although we want to give a shout out to Nick, the truck driver. Yep, our I don't tru- want to say his last name. Our truck driver. Yep. He is our, <laughs> we do, we call him our truck driver. He sent us such a cute picture. With his kiddo? Uh, yeah, with his truck. kiddo in the truck. And he sent that a couple days ago. And. He said, that's my little boy in the seat. Love the show. Great as always. I so, love it because he's not on social media. So just every few months or whatever, yeah. he'll just email us and be like, hey, guys, it's yeah. your truck driver just checking in, you know. So Nick, we love that we keep you company when you're out there on yeah. the highways and the byways around this country. Yep. It's just so cool to me to think of of like a truck Someone driver out there. listening to us yeah. like at 3 a.m. or totally. whatever driving around uh, Lake Michigan. I think that he says that's a circuit he does. Nice. So Nick, thank you for always listening and for always keeping in touch with us. Yep. We love you. We love all safe. of you guys. Can't believe you guys send us packages I know. Like I'm this. looking at this tower of boxes We have a boxes tower of boxes from you guys. So uh, if you were listening to the, pre- if you were a, co- uh, a coffee subscriber or listening to the pre-show banter where I totally forgot it was pre-show and I went into <laughs> talking about stuff, uh, we are good with taste test items yeah. for now. We, we have, still have boxes over we there. We still have boxes over there. We still have the stuff from Carl. We have stuff now from Stephanie from the Carpenters, not the band, yeah, but the Carpenters. Yeah, to be confused with the singing duo. Uh, and from Coleman. 
and we love you guys so yeah. much for sending us this stuff. So we are good for a little while with the taste test stuff. Um, so just hold off on that, I guess, until yeah. I got to pay for our we'll PO box. Out. I totally forgot. Oh, no. I got Do you want the... me to pay for no, it? No. Because the money's 50 for six months. I know, but I feel like you're strapped for cash. I am strapped for cash. Right now. But I don't know how to. That you could take out of our PayPal. I don't know how to take it out of PayPal. You're the PayPal goddess. Well, I can transfer PayPal to you and you can actually deposit in your account. You're like checking account if, if we can. Yeah, we'll that figure would, it out. That would be good. That would be. Yeah, that's a lot I, of money. That's groceries. School, school is done now. And Officially out for summer. I cried the last day. And like uh, my kids have been in touch with me and they're all sad and it just sucks. I'm miserable and I miss them and I have like no money. Mm -hmm. uh, the teacher that I was working with gave me extravagant going away because she's retiring. So she's done. Oh. So she gave me like super sweet going away gift cards, money, oh, et cetera. Nice. So I do have some money, but basically from now until the end of August, I am living off of nothing. Hmm. But it's good. It's, I, <laughs> I told Krista before we started recording, I said it's kind of nice because living frugally for a little while will help me appreciate it when I do have some income. Yeah. But it sucks because I... I don't make money at this job, but I love this job. I just really do. So, Teachers should make more money. Oh, well, what can you do? Anyway, enough about my sad life. <laughs> um, do we have any other housekeeping? Um, posted, why do I feel like it's been forever I, since we recorded, but we were just know. here two weeks ago. Posted a little teaser about something possibly coming oh, up yeah, with yeah, Brad yeah. Medeiros and I mm -hmm. for uh, dealing with the Dice Man thing. Mm -hmm. We're going to see if that pans out. People seem to like that episode. Yeah. And if it pans out, I'm super excited, but also super nervous about yeah. what, it's it, a new adventure. what it entails. Um, speaking of, we should mention we're doing the summer of, what is, I can't remember. Summer of sassiness? <laughs> we, we did this last year with Brad Medeiros from Killing Hidden Missing. Um, we collaborated with a bunch of other podcasts to have this sort of, I think he called it like a podcast festival or something. Bad things of summer. The bad things of summer. Thank yep. you. Um, we're doing that again this year. So actually today when we're done with this <laughs> and our side session. His, his uh, topic for the email is going to be stuck in my head now. It's stop, collaborate, and listen. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do that again. I talked to Krista yesterday. Ice? Yeah. I, I mentioned something to Krista yesterday about maybe seeing if we could do one with like Wisconsin podcasts. And I was thinking this morning driving down here, they don't even have to be maybe paranormal. It can just be like a couple different types of podcasts. Mm -hmm. And then, so we'll see. Right now I got nothing to do. So <laughs> my research should get time. a little better starting with the next episode <laughs> oh, because now I got nothing but time. But I think that's it. I think that's it. Mm -hmm. Should we, mm -hmm. let's do Carl's first. Okay. His taste test item so first. So you still have that somewhere down on here. you? Yep. Okay. This one yeah, and as we mentioned before, we're not doing videos anymore for taste tests because we just watch <laughs> it every worked. time. They just didn't work. Ugh. This is from Carl. This one's going to be good. And then we'll open the big box from the carpenter, or the small box from the carpenters. This one? Yes. Okay. I think that's the one that does not have the soda. I can item. hear it sloshing around. Oh, yeah, there. it was sloshing around. <laughs> uh, that is... The larger one The larger one has sodas in it, so okay. I'll put that in the fridge. So this is from Carl. This one's going to be good. Yeah, I've heard that before. Ooh. <laughs> like banana chips? Bananaitos. I love Salted banana, banana chips. chips. I love banana chips, too. Me, too. And plantain chips, which are not similar. They're similar. Um, okay. Lightly salted saladitos. 
That's weird. And then this says Bananitos. All right. Now I have running up that hill stuck in my head from our pre-podcast. That song? Yeah. Oh, that'll be, yeah, I had that in my head all last night, actually. From our pre-podcast banter. Ooh. Oh, they're really thin. Okay, I'm going to take a photo. They they actually look like potato potato chips. chips. Yeah. That's not what I was expecting. Wow. They're usually a lot thicker. Yeah. It's not about the thickness. (laughs) Are you ready? (laughs) I sound like Lucy. You do sound like Lucy. Yeah, I'm ready. Whoa. It dropped off it. Mm. You're making a face. You don't like it? Not what I was expecting. They actually remind me of more plantain than banana chips. Not what I was expecting. I think these are plantain chips. It says banana chips. Does it say banana or are we... It just says bananas. Weird. Not a fan. I think they do taste more like... Because I just had some plantain chips. Yeah. I can't read that. I'm not, I'm not a fan. That wasn't what I... I was expecting like banana chips. Well, like the sweet, sweet... Right. These aren't sweet. These are just salty. Bananino. Banano. Banano. <laughs> <laughs> I must... Oh, bananas. I wonder if it's the oil, too, that they cook it in. Wow. It Palm be. oil, sunflower oil, canola oil. It's a lot of oil. Contains milk. Why would this contain milk? <laughs> I don't know. What mm. do you give it out of 10? I'm giving it like a six. I'm going to give it a six, too. I do it's prefer not, them to be sweet. It's not horrible. Sure. No. It's just not what we were expecting. But I'm still reaching in there for more, so I can't absolutely hate it. But weird. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. Yeah, me mm. too. Okay. That bite was good. Okay, so I gotta open this box. Yep. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Carl. Hmm. Those are growing. I know. Don't cut. Oh, there's a message on the inside flap. And just reach in and grab one thing at random. Don't be looking in there. I'm on to you. I'm on to you. All right, dear Kurt and Krista, since we sent two packages with no food, we wanted to send a package with a few things to try. Hope you find them interesting and tasty. Love, Josh and Whitney. Yay. Region. Don't be looking. I see you looking. Boy. Going for a winner. I'm taking out all the... Well, maybe not. Oh, you know we love these. Giant Peruvian Inca corn (laughs) snacks. They're big corn nuts. Oh, that's not even what I was thinking. They're huge corn nuts. I bet those are going to be good. I don't know. I'm weird with corn nuts. That is I not, love them. Corn, Trader Joe's, though. Corn nuts is not one of my go-tos for a really? snack. No, I, I probably haven't had corn nuts since I was in my mid-20s. <laughs> so, And these are like puffy. Giant puffy. Peruvian Inca corn snacks. Puffy corn nuts. And Trader Joe's. Okay, ready? I'm going to open this somehow. Not like that. Ceremonial dagger from Sophie and Adam. <laughs> that was so There's weird no look. smell. There, I was expecting there to be a smell. There's not really a smell. Were we supposed to videotape us trying to... F- no. Okay. No, we gave up on video. Oh, Kurt. there is no smell whatsoever. They look like... You know what they look like are corn pops. The cereal. Oh. They totally look like corn pops. Okay. I'm ready to pop these nuts into my mouth. Okay. Okay. Ready? Ready? Mmm. Mm. Mm, I think those are good. Mmm. Okay. I really like these. Mm-hmm. They're not super seasoned. <laughs> no. 
They're, no, they're not super seasoned, mm. but they almost do taste like a mm. a corn nut version of corn pop cereal. I, t- I totally taste corn I pops. Like they taste like corn pops. I'm not sure I've ever had corn pops. The cereal? Mm-hmm. It's really good. Mm. Yeah. These are really good. Okay. These get a nine. Yeah, I agree. Salty. I expected more seasoning. Yeah, they're salty, but not over salty. They're crunchy. Mm. Those, I would go to town on a bag of those. Those are mm. good. Yeah, those are really good. Okay. Thank you, Carpenters. Thank you. Mm. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. That was excellent. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm officially done chewing. All right, now what? <laughs> <laughs> what time are we at? <laughs> the show's over. Uh, Fifteen minutes. Wow. That's weird. Is that because we only had one? Are we forgetting something? <laughs> I'm trying. I'm looking at my notes. Are we forgetting anything? I have the title. I have shout outs. I have housekeeping. I have taste test. I have main story. That's weird. I mean, even with the unedited portion at the beginning, we're usually like almost 25, 30 minutes by now. And we haven't even hit our titillating 20 Did yet. we talk about weather? <laughs> I don't think so. No, but it was like, it's been hotter than the hubs here the last several days. Like <laughs> 90 to 100 hubs. degrees. Yeah. And last night it was like 51 degrees. Yes, so it was cold like out beautiful. last night. Yeah. It's like a perfect day today. Sunny and chilly. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. Yeah, but then they're saying hot and humid again, and uh-huh. I just can't do humid anymore. Oh, I feel so bad for Jim. I, he works out in this. Yeah, but Jim, and west of here where there's no uh, lake No lake to give effect. You, yeah. he's, he's fit, though. He is, but, I mean, still at 47, out in that heat and humidity all day, he's beat when he gets home. He's got a headache. Like, yeah. Plus he drinks, you, like, a gallon of water. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't do it. No, there is no way that I could. I can't even sit in my apartment without my air conditioner on oh, right no. now. So. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what people do without air conditioning. For when I had my old apartment, I didn't have an air conditioner. I got Ugh. used to the fan in the window that would blow in the cool air at night. And mm. But I need my air conditioner. And yeah, I, and the problem is when it doesn't cool off at night, then you're just kind of screwed. I sleep so bad when I'm hot. Me too. And it I've has been, to be cold in my room. I have been sleeping like absolute garbage lately. I actually bought magnesium capsules mm. yesterday to see if that would help me. And I slept good last night, but I kept having weird dreams. I've been sleeping really good lately for some reason, but last night I slept like really garbage. Poo. It's because you were excited about our podcast today. Yeah. It was the first day I've had to get up to an alarm in a while. Maybe that was it. Yeah, that could have something to do with it. All right, I'm trying we... to sleep later. I'm trying not to go to bed until like 8 o'clock at night. What? Yeah. So then wow. I'm actually sleeping till like So I can still text you at like 7.30? <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course. Okay. Okay. So I'll... what time did you get up today? 2.35. That's sleeping in? <laughs> That's not really, but Narnia started tapping me because That's she's so used to... Six hours of sleep, though. That's pretty good. That's the thing, though. It is, it's not... When I say I wake up at two in the morning, it's like, really? But then I go to bed at like seven. So yeah. it's not that bad. Yeah. I was but, up at wide awake at like 430, but it took forever to fall asleep. All right. Weather and sleep talk with Kurt and Krista. <laughs> Should we jump right in? Jump right into the episode? I can't believe we just purposefully wasted like four minutes to talk about weather and sleep. All right. Yeah, Chris, Krista in. did the research for this one. So <laughs> let's go. What do you got? Dumpster fire. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, theories. <laughs> uh, Bigfoot. <laughs> I threw Bigfoot in there just for the heck of it Thank because you. we had to. But this is the second part of our part first two. part that was two weeks ago about mm-hmm. the smiley face killers. And a lot of people like went and watched, listened to that, that podcast where the, the host interviewed that guy that said oh, yeah. he was almost a... Uh, and they, they said that they didn't their BS detectors didn't go off either, that they believed the guy. So did you have to go somewhere else to find it though? Yeah, it okay. wasn't in his podcast feed. 
I'm lucky that I stumbled across it when I did researching the episode because I really had to kind of search for it. Hmm. So uh, where did you end up having to listen on YouTube? To it? Oh, I YouTube. found it okay. like deep on YouTube. It wasn't even in his feed anymore. Just in case our listeners aren't on social media and they want to find it, you have to find it on YouTube. Yeah, <clears throat> okay. I wish I could post it. I could maybe post it in the stranger. Well, if they're not on social media, which I don't blame them. I'm getting so yeah. so sick of social media. I haven't been around social media much lately. No. But this is the second part of the Smiley Face Killers. What, what's the word I'm looking for? Not trilogy. Two-parter. Duo. Duo. Nah. <laughs> We're trying. Two-parter. Two-parter. Mini-series. Or mini-series. <laughs> mini, this mini one series. is all about theories. And we have some theories yeah so hey if you didn't listen to part one go do that now because yep. we're not going to do a recap we'll wait for you go on yeah we'll wait we'll just sit here and wait okay welcome back <laughs> glad you listened yeah um but there's so many podcasts about this topic mm-hmm. and so many of them all cover the same cases we sure. did uh todd guybe uh patrick mcneil christopher jenkins so a lot of them but there's some stuff I heard on some of them that I did not hear before. So we're going to get into cases that. Cases or theories? Theories? Both. Okay. Both theories and cases. Uh, one of our, one of our, just a spoiler, one of our theories, the number of sub-theories we have under it is 19. Oh. So we, <laughs> okay. have, we have a lot to talk. Wow. We have a lot to talk about. Who knew that you could have that many sub-theories? Oh, yeah. So if you didn't listen to the other episode, Smiley Face Killers are a theorized group that are killing college-aged men by, it sounds like, abducting them from bars or parties and killing them and leaving their bodies in bodies of water near where they live. Although they're usually traveling from a party or a bar yeah, to it's, somewhere. Yeah, it's like always they just left the bar or they just, stepped, they just stepped out of the party by yeah. themselves and they disappear and weeks, months later, they are found in a body of water somewhere yep. near where River, they lake, disappeared pond, from. Yep. And it's weird. I mean, I still not 100% sure what my final verdict is, but it's weird. There are there are some that I think are overblown that I think it's just, just accidental somehow death. Get looped in there, but yeah. there are some that are legitimately that make you go, hmm. So theories. I feel weird just jumping into theories know, right, right at the beginning of the episode, but theories. There are three main theories. Theory number one, I have it marked as big theory uno. It's legit, and all these people are being murdered. Okay. So if that's true, the question is, by who? Sub-theory one under there is a single person. And I don't know. So have you ever, and this is not something I've ever paid attention to, the timeline of, so like is someone they the detectives and... The detectives that, that like Gannon and Duarte say yeah. that there are occurrences of people being killed long distances apart on the same night. Okay. So that's exactly So that exactly kind of goes against at. a single person. Totally. But one of the cases that it could be a single person, 22-year-old Josh Snell from Hastings, Minnesota, was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So many of these happen around Eau Claire, La Crosse, Stevens Point. Mississippi River. Yep. Eau Claire, Wisconsin on June 11th, 2005, the same exact night that Todd Guybe disappeared. Mm-hmm. He was there to attend the wedding of a former classmate from Emanuel Lutheran College. The following night, after drinking beer and playing pool at Brothers Bar, he called a friend to say that he was stopping over. He never showed up. His body was later found in the Chippewa River. Police believe that he was intoxicated and accidentally fell into the river and drowned. 
John Snell, who I believe is his brother, said that in a phone call with a friend, quote, he said that he was scared, that he was hiding in a brushy area, that he was running from someone, that he didn't know who it was or how he was going to get away. He said that he didn't do anything, but he was terrified and he was scared for his life. Oh, interesting. That's the first time we've heard anything like that. Yeah, but I couldn't find a whole lot of, uh, you know, places that would corroborate this story. Yeah. But I did see it in a couple different places. So he called a friend and said that he was hiding from someone, that he was scared. And that is one of the few instances I've seen where it's like one person. Right. You know, that he's trying to get away from. (laughs) Bless you. Thank you. So that's, that's... one one theory one of the, one of the theories sub theory is it's a single person and the sub okay. sub theory under that <laughs> oh boy <laughs> you're gonna need a flow chart for this one folks <laughs> get one of those strings get one of those strings oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Map the sub strings. sub theory for a single person is a a lone serial killer okay and i don't know duarte told cnn that the serial killer would be the opposite of his or her victim someone who is not smart someone not good in school maybe doesn't have a job and is not popular so the theory about it being a serial killer is that this person is the opposite of the people that he's killing. So all these people that, that he, make sense. No, all these people that he's killing are successful, smart, mm. athletic college men. And the, Duarte is so saying that it's a that resentment kind of thing. It's a resentment kind okay. of thing that this person was not popular, that they were not athletic. You know, but the fact that they're getting away with all these murders without getting caught tells sure. me they're not <laughs> they're, stupid. Yeah. So if that is what's happening. Yeah. And one of the theories was that this lone serial killer is putting the bodies in the water because he knows it's going to destroy any evidence, but that's not necessarily true either. Well, how does that make him stupid? According to the uh, you know, uh, the fun time article on Wikipedia, disposal of human corpses. Oh, good. It says, quote, many criminals dispose of bodies in a river hoping that the body is carried away. However, this method will most likely lead to a quick detection of the body because the body gets entangled at the side of the river or stopped at a dam or is simply seen floating by others. A disposal in large lakes or oceans is more likely to hide the body, but a decomposing body can develop a strong positive buoyancy due to the decomposing gases being trapped underneath the skin. This will bring the body up to the surface or at least increase the movement across the ocean floor due to wave actions. Many bodies have washed up at the shore. Bodies have also been discovered in the nets or lines of fishermen, and occasionally bodies are discovered by divers. Very cold water with little oxygen may even preserve bodies, allowing for an easier identification, as for example, Margaret Hogg, the Wasdale lady in the lake at Wast Water Lake in the Wasdale area. that's a lot of W's. That's a whole lot of W's. (laughs) That's more W's than I'm comfortable with. She was found after eight years with her body preserved like wax. Wow. Which is a gross... Yeah. way to describe somebody yeah. but if this lone serial killer if it exists is putting the bodies in the water to try to make it harder they're watching to the catch him CSI yeah, episodes. They're, watching, <laughs> they're watching like the knockoff csi episodes and <laughs> that's funny sub sub theory b although under, they're still getting away with it yeah <laughs> sub sub theory b under a single person committing the crimes is a trucker we're watching you, Nick. I <laughs> <laughs> on you. <laughs> so a lot of people theorize that it is a trucker because a lot of these deaths happen along I-94. Mm. I-94 starts in Billings, Montana, then goes through Fargo, Minneapolis, Eau Claire, La Crosse, Madison, Milwaukee, Chicago, Detroit, and ends in Port Huron, Michigan. Fargo. Fargo. And so mm. many people think that it's Interesting. a Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
because a lot of the a lot of the cases do happen along I ninety four. I believe that it was originally called like an I ninety four killer when these bodies started popping up, and then they became the smiley face. Hmm. Killer, which I'll get into later, but I think the name Smiley Face Killers does like an injustice to the whole thing because I just don't, I don't know. I wish it wouldn't have been. Coincidental, maybe. No, I wish it wouldn't have been called. Oh, I spit on the microphone. I wish it wouldn't have been called the Smiley Face Killers. I just, I feel like that takes away from something. Yeah. You know, I mean, it gives them an identifiable name. Sure. But I feel like it makes it sound like ludicrous, I think. Yeah. You know, it sounds know ominous, but it also makes it sound like far-fetched and ludicrous. So I wish they never would have called it the smiley face killers. Yeah, I kind of see what Like I-94 killers would have been great. Like yeah. that's, but of course not all of them happen right. along I-94. I mean, they happen in New York. They happen, sure. some in Arizona, some in California. So some have happened in different places, but a lot of them do happen along I-94. And if a trucker is driving that route and is like, hey... I'm a little bored. I'm going to kill somebody. Well, and even though it happens in other states off of I-94, doesn't mean it's not a trucker. Yeah. I mean, they don't only travel on I-94. Yeah. But one person brings this up, and I thought this was an interesting fact. I believe I got this on Reddit. So, of course, take it with a grain of salt. But somebody commented, quote, most serial killings are violent. I don't see this as that sort of murder, considering the horrible ways one person could murder another. These deaths are almost, well, gentle. Before anyone goes ballistic over my choice of words, consider that the victim is fully clothed, not bruised or beaten, at least visibly, has all her body parts, and may have been drowned while unconscious. It's not always the case, though. No, but like a serial killer is a violent... You know, I think of BTK. I don't know about that, though. I think of Zodiac. I think of BTK. I think the most renowned ser- serial killers had gruesome MOs, but think of like um, Angel of Deaths, like nurses who that's kill a, patients that's a good in point. hospitals. They literally just give them an overdose of yeah. drugs and they die in their sleep. Yeah, so that's I a don't good point. think that's really... That's a good point. Sure, a lot of them are. Jeffrey Dahmer ate his victims. Yeah, <laughs> so, mean. you know, I think, a, you know... I don't want to say Charles Manson, but like I think of brutal. Yeah, he didn't like, actually kill anyone. No, I think of brutal murders, like stabbings, beheadings, yeah. all that stuff. Like not Ed Gein type people. Not just just taken and like drowned. So, I but I get what you're saying that that is not like you said the angel of death thing where there's been a mm-hmm. lot of stories about nurses that turns out they were killing all their patients. Yeah. yeah. So very good counter argument against that, Krista. Thank you. I'm proud of you. I'm going to keep you, I think. <laughs> I'm a keeper. You're a keeper. Oh, sorry. That was really squeaky. That was really squeaky. I always got to edit those out. <laughs> good luck editing that one out. That one's I'm going to leave in. Over it. That one I'm going to leave. I hate it when you talk over a squeak. Um, but Duarte, again. Duarte, one of the detectives says, quote, it's so widespread. We have so many different victims in so many different areas. It would, in my view, be impossible for it to be one person. Yeah, I would agree with that. So that's all I really have for like the lone person theory. It makes okay. no sense. Not it really. It really doesn't. No. Because I can see one area being one person. Yeah, but, but not this whole stretch right. all over the country. Especially when two are happening on the same night in totally different states. Dude's got to have a lot of frequent flyer miles or something to be going all over the country and then killing or people. Or he has access to a wormhole we're not aware of. That, that too. <laughs> or something. Uh, but I just have never, ever bought the known serial killer theory. No, that's kind of why it's called the smiley face killers. Yeah. So sub-theory number two under Big Theory Uno, it's legit and all these people are being murdered and that is a group. Mm -hmm. And this is where I have 19 sub-theories. Oh my goodness. So grab a sandwich, grab a beer, settle in. You're going to be listening to a lot of possibilities about it being a group. One thing that I thought was interesting is 
I didn't say where this came from either, so I'm sorry. Don't sue me, whoever you, this website is. Quote. The chances of them listening to this episode are probably pretty, 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 well. pretty slim. <laughs> yeah. Quote, the first recognizable social network site launched in 1997, which is when the smiley face murders are believed to have started. This is my face or what? Was no, the first my one face? was sixdegrees.com, which allowed yeah. users to create profiles, list their friends and beginning in 1998, surf their friends list. Each of these features did exist in some form before six degrees, but they're the ones that put everything together and okay. created kind of what would become like the Facebook template of, of social media. Of and also, profiles exist on most major dating sites and many community sites. AOL, A- AIM, and ICQ buddy lists. I remember ICQ, a chat thing. God, that seems like so long ago. AIM and ICQ buddy lists supported lists of friends, although those friends were not visible to others. Classmates.com allowed people to affiliate with their high school or college and surf the net for others who were also affiliated, but users could not create profiles or list friends until years later. SixDegrees.com was the first to combine these features. And it's just... I think a really interesting coincidence that these started right when Mm. social media started where you were able to connect with other people. Sure. So that could lead it to being a group of like-minded because back then too, there was no like regulation. You could, you could go into this other group with potential killers and nobody was really monitoring it Mm -hmm. because it was pre nine 11 and all that. Sure. And and nobody kind of cared. It was like the wild west days of the internet. And so not only did you probably have the opportunity to collaborate with other people, but people even to this day are like, I'm going to be going here for the weekend and drinking with my butt, you know, Oh yeah, they probably found potential victims on there. Yeah. If that were the case. That could have been too. Some of these people, some of these kids that disappeared could have put a picture on Facebook of them at the bar. Mm-hmm. And then people, you know, like the killer group would rally their troops and then they'd just go like lurk outside the bars, mm-hmm. send someone in to slip some GHB into their, their beer. And, right. you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's technically very Somewhat possible. Plausible. Yeah. But here's a couple stories I got off Reddit that lead to it possibly being a group that does it. A user named Mikel LS, no idea, said, quote, I came across an article on this subject and it made my hair stand up. When I got out of the military in 2000 or 2001, I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota and had been partying with people at a nightclub. Then we went back to a hotel. I remember accidentally locking myself out of the room and ending up on the street in front of the hotel. I had been drinking and I was a little drunk. I remember a van pulling up beside me. The side door opened and everything went black. I woke up on a mattress in the back of the van, hands bound, covered with a piece of plywood. I was able to get out and make my way back to downtown Minneapolis. I'm horrified by everything (laughs) happening in this story. The van, yeah, this is... This is like your worst nightmare. The van ended up being at some tall projects with, I think, blue and red panels close to a railroad track. I thought I would mention this because I read a few articles on this where they thought these victims may have been abducted with a van. And people like Mm -hmm. in the comments under there figured out where he was in Minneapolis based on the description of the red and blue like the projects with the red and blue panels. So they figured okay. out where he was, but he, they said, is this true? And the guy's like, yeah, this really happened. Hmm. Like, like the, I mean, take there's it with something a grain ab- of salt. It's Reddit. I always, anytime I hear something about the back of a van, I always go back to the uh, oh. Terra Calico yep. picture. The Polaroid. The Polaroid mm-hmm. where they're bound and gagged in the back of the van. Oh, the but, but there is nothing that scares me more than the slot, the sound of a van door opening next right to you. next to you when you're not expecting yeah. it. You know, but this shows a group abducting someone. Somebody else says, 
I was 23 years old, a few months out of college. I lived in Portland, Oregon. I was out with friends one night drinking. We went to a few different bra- bars. 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 <laughs> we, we went to a few different bars and were drinking until closing time. One of my friends and I sat outside the last bar for a while and talked to some homeless people. A police officer came up and told us to leave. Somehow I got separated from my friend after that, so I just started walking home. A white van with windows pulled up. Here we go with the white van. White van with windows pulled up and some guy started talking to me. I'm a friendly guy, so we just chit-chatted for a bit. Eventually, one of the guys pointed to someone who was sitting in the back seat of the van and said, quote, our friend has a crush on you. You should get in the van. Oh, God. I refused. <laughs> Chris is not liking this. No. I refused, and they changed the subject and just talked for a little while longer. Then a couple minutes later, the guy repeated, our friend has a crush on you. You should get in the van. I said no, and by this time, I was surrounded by five or six guys. Oh, God. The guys were young, around my age, early 20s, I would guess. They grabbed me and tried to push me into the van. I started swinging and tried to deadweight myself so they couldn't get me in. I assume one of them hit me in the back of the head because the next thing I could remember, I was waking up on the ground and the van was pulling away. I left. I made it home. And that was the end. I really didn't think about it for a long time afterwards until I was telling the story years later (laughs) and realized exactly what had happened to me. I then discovered the smiley face theory and realized that I was right by the Williamette River when this happened and thought it might be related. It still gives me creeps and speaking about it publicly freaks me out. But I thought what happened to me that night might help people who are investigating the case. So why didn't he end up in the river, though? I don't know. I don't get it. Like he lost time, right? He was unconscious? No, he got knocked, knocked out. But then when he woke up, the van was pulling away but maybe somebody saw or maybe they got freaked out because they thought somebody heard the Mm. fight and they just decided to take off so i don't know another story dude i mean the second that van pulled up my alarms would have been going hold this random dudes and vans don't just pull up to you and make conversation the whole this guy has a crush on you you should get get (laughs) yeah This one comes from the truenewjersey.com site from March 6, 2014. It's a little news story. It says, quote, Ryan Lee, 24, was found clinging to a concrete pylon near Pier C early Sunday morning after passerby heard his cries for help. More than a dozen officers helped pull the man from the icy waters after tossing a rope to him that he then tied around his body, police said. Lee was transported to Hoboken University, Hoboken, Hoboken. Lee was transported to the Hoboken University Hospital where he was treated for hypothermia as well as cuts to his nose, hands, and elbows. Hospital officials refused Thursday to confirm that Lee was still hospitalized or release any information on his condition. Lee later told police that he left a club on River Street when he was attacked by three unknown men all dressed in black who threw him into the Hudson River. The men have not been identified. I mean, that sounds That's like crazy. That sounds like mm-hmm. if if the smiley face killers were a group, that sounds like what they would do. Yeah, they didn't you know, drug him. They didn't drug him, but it's just a random group that threw him into threw a person yeah. into the river. Ugh, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Random stuff like that it really freaks me out. It does, like like people pushing random people in front of the subway train as it's coming. Like, oh, that's been happening that is just a lot so terrifying. Lately. Yeah, or just random shootings. Just yeah, just yeah. totally random. Yeah. It's well, weird. a lot it's, of times there's a, re- a yeah. target, but you know what I mean. But all these stories show that, I mean, it, this is like textbook what yeah. a smiley face group would be like. Right. How they would function. So sub, is this sub, sub theory or sub theory? <laughs> no, this sub, is sub, sub theory. Sub theory. At this point, I'm just going to call them sub theories. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. This is the sub theory for a group doing it. Sub theory A, a group of serial killers. 
Somebody says on Reddit, quote, I have a feeling this case will be broken open by a parole officer finding pictures or videos of one of the parolees or some geek squad guy finding on a video mm. or a computer someone brought in to be fixed. If there are truly cells of these killers, I believe they would be taking pictures or videos of the murders and sharing them with the others. And I totally get I think that. That would be dark web stuff, though, and you wouldn't be able to that find it. That would be it dark web computers. stuff, but I, we're going to. I want to do an episode on the dark web. Corey, when Corey heard me say that in the last episode, mm-hmm. and he messaged me and he said that he's messed around on there and went and checked it out, and he says it is creepy like yeah. like he thinks i'm underestimating oh i think you are too i might be but i think i feel in, in my opinion that happened. the dark web is an overblown thing it is not as as bad there's no red rooms there's mm-hmm. you can hire someone to kill someone but you can do that stuff you don't need i think humans are unfortunately very depraved yeah but you don't need the dark net i mean you can you can find some random youtube video from 15 years ago yeah. and they just write to each other in the comments buried in there nobody's really gonna know but the thing about the dark web is that it's untraceable and there's a lot of good stuff that happens there too like a lot of commerce yeah where people are you know business happen regular legitimate not shady business happens on the dark web yeah. But I also think there's really horrific things that probably happen there, too. But there's pr- horrific things on the regular web, too, that we're not aware of. There's sites that you need an address to go to, and mm-hmm. then there's a password. So, But I still think, though, that that could be hacked and traced by the right people. And I Possibly. think it's a lot harder on the dark. Possibly. But that, that is one episode that I want to do in the future. I want to <sighs> delve into that the dark web. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. Me too, but I want to see. I, I'm I'm curious, you know. But mm-hmm. but that does sound like dark web stuff or really secretive website stuff where they share pictures yeah. to each other. Mm-hmm. But what if it's a group of serial killers? What are the odds that nobody has stumbled across? Mm-hmm. Somebody dies and then his brother gets his computer and they're like, "Whoa, why are there videos on here of him throwing somebody into a lake?" Right. You know, I I just. I don't know about the group of serial killers and, well, and serial like killers are not known for collaborating, collaborating, stopping, and collaborating I and listening. I feel like someone at some point would say something to someone, you know what I yeah. mean? Break yes. or let 100%. something slip. 100%. Whereas one person wouldn't do that unless no. they were looking for the notoriety. Yeah. I just, I can't get behind a group of serial killers because serial killer, other than, uh, what were their names? Leonard Lake and Charles Ng that were... Like like a duo serial mm. killer team, okay. which I can get, but not not a Bonnie group. And Clyde. <laughs> not, not a group of serial killers right. or multiple cells of groups of serial Especially serial killers who don't even know each other. Yeah, like I can't see that going for long without something coming right. out of it somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be the most secretive group in the world, but something is going to happen that it's going to trip you up at some point. You're going to be caught on camera, something. Like, I just can't see. Although back when this was more concentrated, like in the early 2000s, the surveillance wasn't what it is now. The yeah. internet wasn't what it is now. I think it'd be harder to get away with now yeah. than it would have back then. Yeah, but I just, I can't see... Uh, I didn't. It is I, I didn't go into this in here, but I, I did stumble across it several times. That there's people that think eh, a lot of this was inspired by a 2003 PlayStation 2 game called Manhunt, mm. uh, because it involved. It was. It, it's a gory game. Like it's it's made by Rockstar, who did Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. It's gory. Like okay. there's. 
basically the plot is you are kidnapped and you're forced to like fight your way out of this for somebody's like dark web entertainment it's like okay you're it's like a you're forced to face to get your way out of this town when people are trying to kill you and there's a group in there called smileys that are trying to kill you that have like smiley face jackets and stuff but never even heard of that it is a gory like there's all these different weapons you can pick up. Like one of them might be a glass shard, like a broken fluorescent tube. So you can you sneak up behind somebody. It's a stealth game. And then depending on how long you hold the button down, you either get one of three kills, the last one being the goriest. And it's it's like you yank the guy's head back and you jam the fluorescent light into his eyes and there's mm. blood squirting out and into his throat. And it's gory. I mean, there was, there was a lot of trouble for Rockstar because of this game. And mm. I played it. And... You know, but uh, it's it's like your Grand Theft Auto type violence sure. where it's like over the top, yeah. but it's gory. So it, there are YouTube videos if, you, if you're really interested in the manhunt kills, but a lot of people think that this group like was inspired by the group, the Smileys and Manhunt. I don't get it, but mm. whatever. But I didn't really go into that too much in here. Yeah. So it's sub theory A is a group of serial killers. I'm not really buying it because serial killers aren't known for forming cliques, I guess. I think it's, well, you're probably going to get to this, but more likely, I would believe more copycat type situations. I don't really get to that. I don't, I, I don't get to that, but I, we could. I mean, you know, because I think that's some of somebody it. Somebody who is, is probably going to be a serial killer yeah. anyway is seeing the stuff in the news is yep. like, ooh, I kind of yep. like this MO. I yeah. might do this here. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? that could actually be under groups of serial killers, I guess, but. Yeah. I just, They're not actually collaborating. No, but They're one of the things of that uh, the Sofa King podcast said is that anybody that like, sees this news story and is like a jerk is going to be like, oh, I'm going to go. And then they totally. go and draw a bunch of smiley faces on g- graffiti stuff around the rivers, you know, because yeah. just, to, just to muddy the waters, so to speak. Well, and you know what? I mean, just kind of unrelated. I think mass shootings fuel other mass shootings. Oh, one, yeah, 100%. So, 100%. People get the idea by seeing it on the news and think, well, I'm going to take my yeah. revenge in the same way. So it's very possible that a lot yeah. of these are copycats, mm-hmm. which would make them still kind of killers. Yeah. You just know, not collaborating. Not, not with collaborating. Each other. So, sub theory B, a cult. And some people believe Ooh. a Manson esque cult that uses women to lure in guys. Uh, there were some people That's that tried tying in the Manson family with this, but I could not. No. There was one website I went to that went into. Stuff like uh, some things that were written near the scene and and anagrams, and switching all the anagrams to be about oh Charlie and stuff. And yeah. I was like, yeah, no, you're grasping at you're grasping point. at straws. But the idea of it being a cult, I guess I could get. This, I could too, actually. I never even thought this of that. comes from a March twenty fourth, two thousand seventeen article on sofrep.com. I'm not sure what that means. Called quote the undetected team of serial killers stalking America. The article says, quote, experts would tell us that serial killers don't work together in teams. In fact, in extremely rare instances, we've only seen them work together in pairs. Unless, of course, these are not serial killers doing these killings per se, but rather something else entirely. There's a multitude of reasons why this explanation makes absolutely no sense, and to understand one really has to begin digging into the case studies. The main resource for this is Missing 411, a sobering coincidence by David Politis, whose fact-based research sets the standard for this investigation, one that eschews speculation and conspiracy theory. Now, fair warning, Politis is a retired police officer who became a Sasquatch researcher prior to getting interested in missing persons cases, but his research does stick to the facts and is helpful for investigating this subject. We talk a lot about David mm-hmm. Politis on here, and I read it, Big sobering fan. coincidence, and a lot of stories about the, the college 
drownings. A big question is why these murders began to appear in clusters larger beginning in 1997. Similar murders in the Great Lakes region actually date back to the 1700s, but the big surge begins in 97 and continues to this day. Why? I would hypothesize that the game changer that took place here was the internet. The internet existed previously for a long time, and pedophiles were using dial-up modems to trade child pornography in the 80s. Yet it wasn't until the mid to late 90s that the internet truly became popular for the masses. This advancement in communication technology would allow previously isolated individuals with similar ideas to suddenly find each other and to gather into semi-clandestine cliques. I would speculate that these killers are a type of cult. Technically, they are serial killers, but not the kind we are used to dealing with. They may be a cult, but also not the type of cult we are used to thinking of, like the Branch Davidians or the Heaven's Gate cults. This cult may be a subset of an existing cult or religion, one which has a two-tiered belief system, one which is for public consumption and one which is only for a small group of hardcore believers within the organization. The well-educated and athletic young men that are chosen as victims are probably seen as ritual sacrifices to this group's god, gods, demons, or whatever it is they believe in. What is done to the victims during the lost time between when they are drugged and when they are thrown in the water still remains unknown. Sometimes it is a period of hours, sometimes it is days. Sometimes it's weeks or months. Furthermore, I would speculate that a portion of this group's organization exists above the surface and has public visibility. This would help ensure the group's social camouflage, better allowing it to blend in and providing plausible deniability to the killers for being near each other at certain locations at certain times. Hmm. That whole idea just freaks me out. Yeah. I mean, it's very well organized. Yeah, it's very well organized. But saying that a cult has like this subset that are doing all these murders while Mm -hmm. the rest of the cult just remains like the social media face Mm -hmm. of the cult. And I guess I could get that. That makes more sense to me, actually, than it being a group of serial killers. Well, if you think of like something like Scientology. Yeah. I think it exists sort of like that. There's sort of like the casual masses who are part of it and then there's this like subset of people who are really in deep that control everything and no mentioning them you got us on their watch list we are fair game now we've we've already mentioned them before okay but yeah like (laughs) like i could like a scientology that operates you see all this but you don't know what's going on down here in the you know below the the pleasant faces of the social media pages so cult i could kind of get behind i could yeah i could see it but still, they'd have to be people from different areas collaborating online. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I just don't know. You know, I don't know. Like, that would have to be a big cult. That would have to be, like, have chapters around the country. Mm-hmm. And you would think that you would be able to connect the dots. Like, oh, this this group is here and this group is here. Unless they are traveling outside of where they're headquartered. So, I don't yeah. know. There's just so much... There's just so much there that I don't know. But I, I, I can see a cult more than I can a group of serial killers. Subtheory C, Satanists. Hmm. And this one popped up a lot. So one of the things under here is from the blog, quote, the dark rituals of the smiley face killers blog. This person wrote, and I could not find a whole lot to verify this, but this person wrote, quote, The parents of those who by that time were being called parents of the victims of the Smiley Face Killer Gang began exchanging notes and realized that their sons were all missing crosses. Other belongings, such as wallets and other jewelry, had been recovered, yet their sons who had been retrieved from the rivers and lakes were all missing various religious medals, such as crosses and St. Christopher medals. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I didn't either. So I couldn't find a whole lot about that. Hmm. But then people, people were saying... 
So in in middle of Wisconsin, in you know like Eau Claire, Wisconsin, you're going to have Satanists. And then somebody responded saying, "quote And this one is weird." Quote, I understand that some people are skeptical. One of the areas of confusion is that some wonder where all the bodies went. I can tell you, my whole family were high-level Freemasons involved in a multi-generational satanic cult. The main way that our cult disposed of bodies, both animal and human, are... The cult's well, this main... guy's just talking like, yeah. hey, my family killed people. Yeah. This is how we got rid yep. of the bodies. The cult's main activities took place in the farmlands of Wisconsin. My hometown was La Crosse. There were hundreds of farms that were hidden in acres of corn and various crops. They built both underground networks for rituals and converted barns, silos, and homes for rituals and rooms for torture. And yes, in small communities, usually many people are involved in the cult. Our pediatrician, dentist, my dad's doctor, and our pharmacist were all cult members. Very clever indeed. They hid all evidence of torture, rape, etc. by being our treating doctors, putting in our files only that which was normal for a growing child to experience. Multi-generational cults are masters at hiding evidence. To continue, in one of these underground rooms was a large wooden butcher block table, a man with a leather butcher's apron and an industrial strength meat grinder. All the remains from the night's rituals, sacrifices, torture sessions gone wrong were brought to the butcher. In many rituals or sacrifices, most of the internal body parts and all of the blood are used or consumed, so there is not often left a lot to destroy. The butcher takes the body remains and grinds it into mulch, for lack of a better word. Bones, skin, cartilage, etc. are finally ground down, then mixed with farm animal manure, then spread on the crops as fertilizer. Healthy corn and no one's the wiser. This is one of the ways I witnessed how many bodies were disposed of. So this, this, I'm sorry, I'm not buying this. It. Yeah, I'm this is this is it. this is one guy talking about how this could be a satanic cult because they operate in small little Wisconsin towns. So is this guy a murderer? Like he, I, don't I don't know. But also drowning a baby in water supposedly makes quote unholy water that is used in other rituals. So maybe right. drowning somebody in water sure. makes some kind of it's like a, a satanic ritual. Don't know. The thing is, I've read a lot about Satanism. It's wildly different than devil oh, worship. It totally is. Like I, I mean, I've, I've talked on here that I'm. I was friends when I went to UWGB. I was friends with people that were like card carrying yeah. members of the Satanic Church, and it is nothing like this. No, you that know? sounds totally made up. Yeah, to me. I'm it does. Sorry. It does. But a lot of people believe it's a Satanic ritual. But Satanic panic. Yeah. Sub theory D, and I even wanted to not bring this up because I just don't like this, but it shows up a lot in this. Subtheory D, Native Americans. There are many Native American clues connected to the Midwest drownings. They are far too coincidental to not be connected. There's the Chippewa River and Hiawatha statue near Wisconsin drownings, the word Cincinnawa at a drowning in Iowa, and Cincinnawa is reported to be one of the words that shows up a lot. I think you mentioned that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris Jenkins, dressed as a Native American on the night he was drowned in Minneapolis... Many drownings have occurred near a Columbus Street, a Hudson Street, Native American symbology, street statues, etc. So the location totally fits, and the anger these natives had in Wisconsin in 1997 when the murder started was peaking because of mining operations. Mm-hmm. So this I'm not person, saying Native Americans don't have a lot of stuff to be angry about. Oh, 100%. But I don't think no, they're I, I, I get, I'm going to get to that people. here. And this person also says Cincinnawa is an old Chippewa name for grave or final resting place, but I didn't see that. I didn't see, I didn't see that. Uh, somebody else said all the killings happened in what was the old Chippewa Nation's territory. 
Uh, somebody else said there was a great deal of unrest starting in the late 90s over the tribal rights to land taken from them in the last century over failure to pay taxes. And that's right around the time they believe the killings started. And one Chippewa custom calls for a dead body to be dry to be able to cross to the other side. So a lot of people theorize that this has something to do with native group of Native Americans killing nah. people. But I really like this, this quote that I got from somebody on Reddit that responded to this is perfect. Wow. I live where the Native American population is enormous, and most of my friends, plus many of my relatives, are Native American. They do not have a desire to kill anyone of any race. Obviously, you are someone living in fear of things you have not been exposed to. 100%. While Native Americans do feel that an injustice was perpetrated upon them all those years ago, the way they go about their daily lives is to get a college degree and live a life which celebrates their heritage. Granted, there are still a few on the res that voice their anger, but they are not plotting to take back America one college male at a time. <laughs> right. So I think that's I think that's perfect. Like, I love that quote. Well, and just, I don't know, not that I have a lot of knowledge of this, just I feel like what I understand about Native Americans and their traditions is it's very, it's they revere nature and, and they're about peace and things like yeah. that. They're not... I yeah. mean, this is just the opposite of what I would think yeah. of. But you would also, somebody else, I didn't put it in here, but somebody else said you would think that if they were doing this, there would be some kind of, like a note or something left to say why they were doing this, not just randomly, quietly killing white men. Right. You know, like I just, no. I, I, I know theory. a lot of people that are Native American and yeah. this is just, yeah. It's <laughs> ter- just a terrible, we're, we're gonna, terrible We're going to end that one. But I feel like that's a lot of people... You know, like all these people started with writing their stuff. Like, I'm not prejudiced against Native Americans, but sure. but it just seems like like the person said, just demonizing something you don't understand. understand you know, yeah. so I don't. I'm gonna. Eh. That's also <laughs> along with j- assuming Satanists are murdering, raping. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, people. You're demonizing Satanists to be that, and you're demonizing. Most you Native. don't even believe in the devil. No, no, I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think devil worshippers would do stuff like that. Uh, not devil worshippers, but like offshoots, like self-styled Satanists that think that Satanism is killing animals and right. all this stuff. Right. You know, but Native Americans, no. No. I'm, I'm going to know that one. No. It is not a group of Native Americans. There is a lot of stuff that, well, people are saying it happened near Chippewa Street or Chippewa River, but but, but so, so much stuff up here is named after Native American right. groups or Native There's American so terms. Tribes. There's so yeah. many tribes in Wisconsin, so I just, I just don't see that. So nope to that one. Sub-theory E, some kind of water-based cult. Uh, there are Celtic, old Celtic water-based cults that see the water as some kind of god. In Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. In the Midwest in general? Uh, all I have on this one is, yeah, I don't know about this one. That's yeah. all I got because I found some old Celtic groups that worshipped water and would drown people to, oh. to give tribute to the water. Yeah. But I'm not really seeing that. No. No. Not, not, that's too far-fetched. Sub-theory F... Uh, this one is interesting. A street gang. And this ties in a lot with Christopher Jenkins, the one that was dressed in Native American costume. Okay. In breaking the show Breaking Homicide, it was reported that a man by the name of Jeremy Lynn Alford was at the bar in 2002, the same night Christopher Jenkins was. Jeremy is now in jail in Minnesota, serving time for murdering a man named Douglas Miller in 2005, along with his brother. Apparently, they killed a man who they were living with, and it was done very viciously. 
And I, it was. I read, like, I don't put it in here, but the stuff they used to kill him was not cool. Uh, hmm. Derek and Chris and a police informant from Breaking Homicide actually contacted Jeremy using a female alias named Lindsay to ask if Jeremy knew anything about Christopher's case. He replied, quote, I don't want to talk about anything that I haven't been convicted of. Hmm. The I-team, the investigative team, also talked with a relative of one of Alford's former roommates. The relative said that Jeremy Alford bragged about killing Christopher Jenkins. Alford believed that he would get away with the crime because police were saying that Jenkins had committed suicide. Uh, Alford's former roommate gave a statement to the police. And the investigative team also learned that at the time of the murder, Jeremy Alford lived at an apartment on 2nd Street in Minneapolis that is within a mile from the bridge where Chris Jenkins' body was found. Alfred said that he was with his sister the night Jenkins disappeared, but his sister, Crystal, said, quote, we were supposed to go trick-or-treating together, but he never showed up. Crystal also described her brother as sly, cunning, and violent. He can be vicious, she said. He can be vicious verbally, and he can also be vicious physically. So the footprints at the River's Edge site says, quote, confessed murderer Jeremy Alfred, who is the suspect in the death of Christopher Jenkins, has claimed involvement with a gang of killers called the Dealers of Death, or the D.O.D., that has claimed to have murdered 30 or 40 people. He says the alleged leader of the gang is a man named Smiley, with a Z. Z-M-I-L-E-Y. Okay. Smiley claimed Alfred confessed to murdering a college student wearing an Indian costume. But Smiley remembered the victim's name as Andrew, not Christopher. Smiley says that Alfred told him, quote, I just killed this stupid-looking dude and I threw him over the bridge. So a lot of people believe that Alfred is the one that killed Christopher Jenkins, hmm. but there's a lot against this. Nothing was seen on that bridge on camera. Right. Uh, there would have been trauma from the body hitting wires and stuff as it was thrown from the bridge, yeah. and it had a kind of a high railing, and it's people say it would have been physically impossible to oh, pick that was that Jenkins one. up and, and throw him out, out. past the wires yeah. okay. and stuff. But a lot of people do believe that this... Uh, Jeremy Alford was involved and, mm. and this other group, that group that he was with, Dealers of Death, maybe did some of these other drownings and stuff. They mm. don't know. Were they just random? Like they just killed people randomly? They didn't really get into it at any of the sites, but hmm. but even, you know, Smiley is saying that this Alford uh, admitted to killing Jenkins, hmm. but he is serving time in prison. But after Although he, he says... after after Alford... After all this stuff came out, this is when they reclassified Christopher Jenkins' death to a homicide instead of a oh, okay. accidental death. Yeah. So in this case with Christopher Jenkins, I don't know. I, I don't know on this one because I can I can see Alfred being the one that did it, but there's so much against him doing it unless he didn't do it on this bridge and did it somewhere else. I don't know. And that's just where he was found. Yeah. But there are a lot of rumors that the smiley face murders are just gang initiations. Like mm. they say, follow this person, kill them. And it I could can be, buy that. I could buy that too. I could buy that too. But then are there going to be chapters of the same gang all around in these places? I don't know, but it could be some of them. I yeah. mean, some of them could be gang initiations. Sub theory G a group of gay men. And a lot of this just strictly comes from the use of GHB, which is big with the gay subculture, I guess. Okay. I, I, I wanted to like investigate GHB. Like I didn't really know a lot about it. An April, 2020 article on NBC news called quote, an old dangerous drug has made a comeback says quote, occurring naturally in the body. 
gamma-hydroxybutyric acid was first synthesized in a lab in the 1960s. Although its application in medicine has always been limited, GHB has various recreational uses. In the 1980s, health food stores marketed GHB as a dietary supplement. I never knew that. Mm-mm. Then wow. in, the, in the 90s, the drug found its way into the American nightlife. In small doses, GHB produces feelings of relaxation and confusion and heightened sexual arousal, leading to its allure as a party drug. It can also cause amnesia and hallucinations. While not particularly addictive, the drug has a steep dose-response relationship, meaning the difference between experiencing euphoria and losing consciousness is a matter of a few drops of the clear liquid. Mm. It is this quality of GHB that gives it the nickname the date rape drug, although the compound is rarely a factor in sexual assaults. Overdoses can result in comas and respiratory arrest, which to an unaccustomed observer may appear as the affected person has passed out from drinking or only fallen asleep. From 2016 to 2019, researchers at Columbia University surveyed adults at electronic dance music parties in New York City. <laughs> That's got to be, you go, go there in your lab coat to a rave and are asking people <laughs> stuff. That just sounds so weird to me. With a clipboard. <laughs> yeah. Surveyed adults at electronic dance party electronic dance music parties in New York City to track relative changes in drug use. In that three-year span, they found that the rate of GHB use increased from 1 in 100 to roughly 1 in 25, an increase of 300%. But for certain demographic groups, the use of GHB is far more widespread. In another survey taken from 2016 to 2018, researchers found that both gays and lesbians at electronic dance parties were at higher odds for GHB use than straight patrons. According to the study, gay men were nearly 12 times more likely than heterosexual men to self-report GHB use within the past year. Hmm. So, yeah. and do you think uh, that is, though? Why do I think it is? Yeah. Because it's like a perfect, uh, assuming that you take the right dose, it's like a perfect but drug why for so going out. But why so specific to... I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Uh from a 2006 article on National Library of Medicine site, says, quote, the recreational use of GHB has been relatively understudied despite its popularity in gay communities. We examined the use of GHB in a sample of 450 club drug-using gay and bisexual men. Of these, 29% indicated use of the substance in the recent past. Participants reported that GHB was often used at nightclubs, circuit parties, sex parties, and sex clubs, with HIV-positive men much more likely to use the substance in sexual contexts. Use of GHB is common among a certain subset of gay men, despite warnings within the community about the potentially fatal effects of the substance. Hmm. So GHB was like a huge factor in a lot of these deaths. Yeah. But I feel like the the reason that they're going after like a subculture of gay men is just because of the GHB. There are theories that <laughs> some sorry. of the, there are theories that some of the victims were, were gay men. But, but why would gay men target other gay I don't men? know. I don't know. I, I don't but, know. and I think people are just grasping at straws because yep. of the use of GHB, which yeah. is way more prevalent than I thought it was when mm-hmm. I started researching it. Like I assumed it was just used as a right. date rape drug, mm-hmm. but I did not realize that it, it's actually used quite a lot with like rave, like ecstasy, mm-hmm. you know, but GHB is definitely a huge factor in a lot of these. Bill, this name is so hard, Sostak, S-Z-O-S-T-A-K, 
Bill Sostak, whose son Josh's body was found in the Hudson River after he was last seen at a bar in Albany, New York in 2007, told CBS Good Morning America that he watched surveillance footage of his son inside the bar the night that he disappeared, looking fairly sober inside the bar, then staggering outside the bar only a few moments later. Mm. And that sounds like... That's a drug. That's a yeah, drug. That sounds like he's been drugged. So that is sub-theory G, a, a group of gay men. Mm. You know, like Which you. leads right to sub-theory H, a group of anti-gay men. Uh, rumors, rumors abound that a good percentage of the missing men were gay and that a group was specifically looking to target gay victims using apps like Grindr to find gay men. But these people were like leaving bars and parties and I don't know. I, don't I just don't, it. I don't buy. No. No, I don't buy that either. That I couldn't find. I do know that some of the people that disappeared were gay. But sure. I couldn't find. Did apps exist when these first started, though? Probably. They were probably they probably were dating. They were dating sites, so there probably were gay dating sites or like the grinder. Could you app. get to it on your flip I, phone? I, <laughs> you know that's what a I good mean? point. I don't know, but I don't know. I feel like so many of these are crimes of opportunity. Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I just don't buy that. No piece of it. But we had a group of gay men and then a group of anti-gay men. Mm. So. Sub theory I, and this one popped up more than I think it should. This one, a group of employees that work for the air conditioner company Train. <laughs> <laughs> and I see commercials for Train like every morning now when I'm doing my research. But there are people that think it's a group of employees that work for the air conditioner company Train. And I, I think this was Reddit. According to this site, people have suggested that the killings are taking place in many areas where train... Is the van? <laughs> the train company is known to have training facilities. This person might be abducted and perhaps driven around in a train van. The technicians have use of R22 refrigerant, which wouldn't be out of place for their job and could be used to knock people out. Mm. And there doesn't seem to be any use of any kind of foul play if you knock them out with this refrigerant. Also, check out the HVAC they use. It has a smiley face on it. Maybe they're using the vacuum somehow to suck the breath out of victims. What the hell? <laughs> what about so, the GHB, though? Somebody else says, I find it odd that two of the deaths were near the train training plant in St. Paul, White Bear Lake. I counted 12 victims in cities that do seem to specialize in training for employees of train air conditioner contractors. There could be more. <laughs> so, this is so absurd. But then, then this this person, here's, here's the, the re, one that refutes it. I love this. I honestly can't buy into the train training center theory for a variety of reasons. One, with the length of time these drownings have spanning a decade, it would imply that a great many train people would be involved in criminal behavior year after year. In fact, it would have to be formal in nature with a hierarchy of train people passing on the secret and recruiting other train employees or trainees. Some of the facilities managers, some technicians, some installers, etc., everybody would have to be in on this. If the drownings were the work of one or two train employees, they would be so unlikely to be moving from center to center to center, either as trainers or trainees, that quickly, often, year after year. This makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> I feel like it's right up there with, oh, it's Walgreens employees or Starbucks because they're <laughs> yeah. on every corner. Yeah, yeah. But that's so. Watch yeah. out for train air conditioner. They're, okay. They'll they'll we'll suck the breath right out of you. They'll with their... suck the breath right out of you <laughs> and then drown you. But every morning I was researching this, I was watching the news and they'd have a commercial for train. And no, I'm, I'm like, gonna know. I've never I'm noticed like, the commercials. I'm onto you, train. I'm onto you. Yeah, you and your, we got our eyes on you. You and your smiley face killer ways. Your air sucking <laughs> conditioner vacuums. Yep. I didn't say these were all <laughs> these <laughs> legitimate. Were, I didn't say that these were all like sensical theories. <laughs> Uh, sub theory J 
a group of rogue police officers. Mm. And a lot, of this, a lot of this just stems from the Christopher Jenkins one. Uh, somebody on Reddit said, quote, Chris was not drunk. He had a blood alcohol level of 0.1 after four months of decomposition in which a body is turned into a distillery. It's, it's unlikely that he had any alcohol in his system at the time of his death, although people said he was tipsy. Mm-hmm. So I think he did have some. Chris was kicked out of the bar because a married Minneapolis police officer who was working off duty at the bar had interest in his date and she was wearing that officer's uniform as a costume. Chris's date worked at the Lone Tree, so he wasn't just some kid at the bar. He was the date of an employee that worked there. So, I mean, in this one specific case, yeah. is that possible? Yeah, sure. 100%. Uh, the whole Christopher Jenkins case is is hinky to me, and I will get into another one here, but I don't think, I think his was clear-cut true crime. Somebody killed him. Not a smiley face? Not a smiley face. Okay. Sub-theory K a group of drowning fetishists. Back in 1990, a man entered the police station in St. Charles, Missouri and claimed to be the next Jeffrey Dahmer. The police ignored this man, but he finally got the attention of one detective when he shared his highly detailed fantasies about drowning young men. A well- Why would you ignore somebody like I don't that? Know. A well-known criminal profiler, Pat Brown, got involved with the case and has been monitoring this man for years. Nicknamed John Doe to avoid revealing his identity, the man reportedly wanders from town to town. Based on her interactions with John Doe, Brown believes that it's very possible that Doe or someone like him could be behind many of these mysterious drownings. It's actually pretty easy to build a case around this John Doe. In addition to telling police that he would go on a drowning spree if not contained and that he fantasized about driving across the country, making friends with, and picking up 16 to 30-year-old men and drowning them, he was just a block away from Christopher Jenkins when he went missing and claimed to be on a road trip during the time that several of the other victims disappeared. This John Doe, whose actual last name, and this is what frustrates me, his last name is Lily, L-I-L-L-Y. And I got a lot of this on web sleuths, but like all the links that they would have for this John Lily, like news articles and stuff were all from 1999, 2000. Mm-hmm. So they were gone. They were, oh. I could not find anything about even what this guy's first name is, but his okay. last name is Lily. Uh, but this, just John Doe had ch- charges on his record for making sexual advances towards the teenage son of the owner of a funeral home where he worked and making death threats to the teenager's entire family. The police report stated, quote, the defendant is a danger to the community because he goes for white males between the age of 16 and 25 and he has serial killer tendencies. It just sounds like an unhinged. But he, this Lily guy was on in drowning fetish groups where but the like, thing people is, have a sexual fetish for drowning. I've feel like most of these cases were not actual drownings. You know what I mean? Yeah. These people were dead yeah. before they were put in the yeah. water. And yeah. so if this person has a drowning fetish, he's not actually drowning anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so it exactly. doesn't make sense. Exactly. But this this could be some of the killings. Maybe. You yeah. know, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that this group of drowning fetishists, you know, yeah. I don't get drowning fetish, I guess, no. but... But it's it's a it's a possibility, and this Lily guy sounds interesting. I just can't find anything about him online, and I want to know who he is. Mm-hmm. Oh, he'll find you, Kurt. <laughs> It'd be so weird if I all of a sudden drowned Get tonight. An email. Oh God, d- don't say that. <laughs> stay away from the lake, okay? I'll stay away from the lake. Somebody they just pulled somebody out of Lake I know, Michigan. I know again, and they were missing for a little while. I think, yeah, too. which is creepy. Yeah, you know, I won't go near a lake tonight. I Thank promise. Uh, Sub theory. Where are we here? L. We're going way down to sub-theories. Sub-theory L, and I can't remember who it was now, but somebody mentioned this in the comments 
uh, in The Strangers. Subtheory L, a group of women who have been victimized. Mm. And somebody said on Reddit, quote, now I ask you, how could a person like Lily with little education have pulled off these drownings? There is something else going on here. Someone has extensive forensic knowledge, has an agenda, and has a definite grudge against this age group of successful young men. It's starting to sound to me like a woman. <laughs> that sounds like a guy wrote that. Mm-hmm. You know? But... Hell hath no fury. No, but... I can't buy the group of victimized women. No. I kind of wouldn't blame them. For sure. You know, especially if these people that they're targeting are the ones that victimize them. But again, it would have to be a group of organized yeah. women online. Yeah. I don't know. I just can't. No. I, I can't get I into the... It. No. It's a good theory, I guess. But I just can't buy... That, that suggests that these guys all did something to hurt women. Yeah. Or... That they're just they're just, just randomly, just randomly picking, killing men to get back at men for no what they've sense. done to them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. Subtheory M, an intelligence agency. Somebody on Reddit says, quote, I think there's a good chance that the smiley face killers may be a group of Mossad or other type of intelligence-based groups who are going out with the intent to train and carry out other training operations where they go after to solicit information, gain trust, and eventually murder their victims like in the movie The Recruit, where the CIA agents and training are told to go into a nightclub and successfully solicit information while successfully creating and pushing a false backstory, which is believed by the target. This would also explain why the murders are receiving very much media attention, almost like the murders are just being ignored. Isn't the point of a lot of these groups, though, national security? Yeah. So why would they be murdering innocent people? <laughs> I don't know. I could, totally, I could totally 100% see the CIA doing where they send in a trainee yeah, to get information to from somebody, murder. but not to kill them. <laughs> I could see them going in there as a test to or get they some. They all kind went of, really wrong. <laughs> yeah, to, to get some. You know, that guy I, did not make the, it the, into the, the CIA. CIA. Aren't a real There's good some group. Shady stuff, There's some shady sure. stuff, but I can't. I I, I could hundred percent see them sending people undercover to try to get yeah. information to see how successfully they do it, but killing and drowning the person. Our I own just citizens. I just don't buy that one. No. So that's a no. Subtheory N a fraternity. The Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, a chapter at Alcorn State University in Mississippi, once referred to as Gangster Phi for its brutal hazing rituals, is under fire for allegedly engaging in underground hazing activities. The sorority was forced to suspend intake for all chapters in 2002 after two students drowned during alleged underground hazing activities at California State University at Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you read about these hazing stories yeah. and people are dying. Yeah, but I don't... I. Th- I think there's a difference between the Forcing hazing and then, and then taking bong. someone out of the bar, right. you know, f- following someone out of the bar. But there are a lot of people that, that believe it has something to do with fraternity, mm-hmm. like a secretive fraternity, like Skull and Bones or mm-hmm. one of those those ones. Life and Death Brigade. Come on, Gilmore Girls. I don't know. <laughs> Is that a secret fraternity? <laughs> uh, yeah, at Yale. And somebody apparently. commented on this and said, we are recording, right? Because I don't want to reread all that. Okay. Oh, yeah. You keep checking your microphone too, like <laughs> like the next time you check it, it might be off. <laughs> Trust me, it's okay. staying on. <laughs> uh, somebody on Reddit responded to this saying, quote, I went to school at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire in the 90s. I moved away about the time this all got started, unless it was a minority fraternity or sorority from a much larger school that came into town to do the deed. It was not a sorority at UWEC doing this. There was I still basi- don't understand what minority has anything to do with it. You know what I'm saying? But this person is believing that it's a minority that is doing it, whether it's Indians, Asians, African-Americans. I don't know. 
But that was one of the. That's I think that's what this started from. Was that it was a. I'm sorry, but most serial killers are white. It I was just a fraternity. It was like a fraternity group. That's like a racial group. You know, like oh. a black fraternity or stuff. Mm. But they just said that there was like the Greek system at UWEC barely had a pulse. They could barely get enough members to keep it going. I was in one of the sororities, so I know. So there's not like a at Eau Claire, you know, University of Wisconsin Eau Claire. There's not a big fraternity sorority mm-hmm. scene. So you're not going to have this group of killers like being in a, in a minor fraternity or sorority there. Mm-hmm. So I just don't buy the fraternity thing. No, I don't either. Sub theory O, a group of elites that hunts humans. So I don't know. Elites? Like elite? Like Elites, like elite. Like... Elites. Superhumans? No, elites oh. like powerful okay. politicians that hunt humans. Like Illuminati type this of This came thing. from a goofy website that I didn't even put the name down. <laughs> but it says, quote, teens were drugged, stripped naked, raped, hunted down in the woods, and killed by European royals, according to this week's latest eyewitness to testify before the International Common Law Court of Justice in Brussels. The woman was the fourth eyewitness to give accounts about these human hunting parties of the global elite Ninth Circle Satanic Child Sacrifice Cult Network. A former member of the Netherlands criminal drug syndicate known as Octopus testified that victims were obtained for these human hunting parties from juvenile detention centers in Belgium and Holland. This is true? (laughs) They're claiming this is true. The woman states, quote, In 2004, I was an involuntary witness to torture, rape, and murder sessions of drug children performed for a group of high-ranked people in the Netherlands. I was taken to a hunting party in Belgium close to Brussels where I saw two boys and a girl aged 14 to 16 hunted and killed by global elites. The human hunting party was heavily guarded by the Netherlands Royal Guards. I was told that King Albert of Belgium was present. Human, human hunting parties were said to take place on the grounds of Belgium Queen Beatrix's palace in the Netherlands. So that is one of the theories is that there is a group of like high-ranking politicians and stuff. From that, the Netherlands coming to Wisconsin and killing people. <laughs> Man, they got the, they got a vacation somewhere, but okay. but this is just like proving that people are saying that there are groups that yeah. hunt, kidnap, and hunt. Are there cases like this overseas? I don't know. I kind of want to do a side session on human hunting parties because mm-hmm. I keep hearing about stuff. There's like a group I can't think of what his name was, Michael but he Douglas. was a justice. The game? No. Was it, I think it was the game? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think it was the game. But it was something like that. Yeah. Though. But there was a, I can't remember his name, but he was like a big time politician guy that was like in this super secretive hunting where they like worship the God of the hunt. And it was like a big hunting thing. And mm. I remember people saying that they, they hunted humans, but they didn't kill them, but they would like hunt humans to see if they could catch them. Mm. So I do think this goes on, but I don't believe that the smiley face drownings are the work of a group of elites that hunts humans. No. <laughs> uh, Sub theory P, Freemasons. Freemasons are always the bad guy. Might as well suspect Bigfoot. That's all I put for that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have an episode about Freemasons because I'm sick of hearing about Freemasons being accused of every, right. everything, you know. I mean, they're into some weird stuff like rituals and whatnot, yeah. but I just don't think they're going out murdering people. No. Sub theory Q, a group of monks. <laughs> well, this, this is interesting. Uh, monks? There is the Benedictine community in Collegeville, Minnesota. Collegeville is, I think, where Josh Guymond, I talked about him in the last episode. Collegeville is where Josh Guymond disappeared. I believe he walked out of a party and then just disappeared. Okay. 
And then somebody on Reddit said, quote, what prompted authorities to do a canine search on a university that, as far as I can tell, Christopher Jenkins had no connection and no reason ever to be at? Josh Guymond, who disappeared, did attend SJU. A bloodhound is claimed to have found both Josh Guymond and Christopher Jenkins sent at the university. Chris Jenkins was supposedly like not at this university ever. Mm. On December 31st, 2002, authorities were refused entrance to the campus monastery. Then on January 4th, two, January 14th, 2003, they were granted permission into the abbey. Reportedly, the dog picked up definite scent activity with both boys, but it was stronger with Josh than it was with Christopher. So St. John's Abbey, one of the largest Benedictine monasteries in the U.S., released more than 15,000 pages of document Tuesday related to 18 priests, it said, likely sexually offended minors dating back to the 1960s. This disclosure comes as the latest chapter in the jagged history for the Benedictine community in Collegeville, Minnesota, on the issue of clergy sexual abuse, one that at times has seen an attempt to lead in understanding the epidemic, but at others fall ill to the plague of horrors. Like many others before them, the disclosed documents provide a recounting of what the Abbey knew when regarding each monk, nearly half of whom have died, and often the attempts to shuttle them from place to place to avoid possible lawsuits or scandal. Mm -hmm. Somebody wrote and commented on that. The last time I was on the campus was three years ago during the summer. I strolled the campus without any particular goal except to see the new additions and renew pleasant old memories. My path that day crossed with six monks. Five of them were men who had been alleged sexual abusers, and I knew they were on restriction. They were accompanying groups that I presumed were visitors. Two were around the guest master's office located in the vestibule of the old church. The other was just crossing campus. None spoke with me. A victim of... A victim of abuse had reported to me that one of the priests giving tours had propositioned him several months before in the campus pub. So much for a program of supervision and restriction. So the theory behind this is that it was the group of monks that were sexually abusing college students, trying to silence hmm. them, I guess. But that's just that one school. Right. You know, I mean, the, the... I'm not saying that stuff didn't... I mean, obviously, we know abuse happened. Yeah. And was not dealt with properly. Yeah. Um, but murder, well, mm -hmm. there's a documentary on Netflix. I think it's called, crap, I can't think of what it's called. It's about the death of a, a nun. Uh, and how, oh, I know, I know which one, I know what nun you're talking yeah, about. I was just looking into this. It's a really hard yeah. documentary to watch. Yeah. I was the just, Keepers. That's yes. what it's called. Yeah. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe for one or two maybe of these that cases. Josh Guyman that disappeared yeah. possibly but not the ones that are all over the country no. I don't know but that is that is P that was Q P? Oh, <laughs> that was sub theory okay. Q a Jeez, group how of how many letters are there <laughs> a group of monks okay sub theory R bar people a bouncer group a bar band bartenders that are doing this hmm. they're the night that one of the men go missing uh, there is a photo of the band. I can't remember which one it was. Was it? I don't remember which one it was, but there's a photo of the band and the guitar player is wearing a t-shirt with a smiley face on it. Okay. <laughs> so she just rolled her <laughs> eyes at that. So I don't know. Nah. Uh, somebody on Reddit writes, quote, on 4-10-08, my son, a high GPA student at Purdue University in Lafayette, Indiana, went into the Neon Cactus Bar in town with a friend. He spilled his drink and handed the bartender his purple cup and asked the bartender for a refill. 
He paused then to speak to three elderly women at the bar, and when he turned to leave, his drink still wasn't there. Then the bartender walked clear to the end of the bar and grabbed a drink in a green cup that was sitting in the center of a group of guys who all watched him take the drink away and hand it to my son. My son remembers that he took one sip and the drink tasted weird and bitter. He has no memory of leaving the bar. His next recollection is being forced into his car with someone else driving. He was then thrown off a bridge. He remembers holding on until his hands gave out and recalls crawling through the woods in a stupor. He still had his cell phone and made dozens of incoherent panicked calls. Finally, cut, bleeding, and bruised, he found his way to a motel where someone called him a cab. The police just quickly dismissed the situation as too much to drink, which is not possible. My son was obviously drugged and someone tried to kill him, but he survived to tell his story. The police interviewed the bartender who doesn't remember anything. His car was found two days later behind an apartment building. I'm going to recontact the West Lafayette Lafayette police with the GMA story. By the way, my son is not a partier. Absolutely no drugs. A good kid. Serious student. Already enlisted in the Air Force. I want those responsible for this found and punished. Wow. And somebody else writes, My theory is that these killings are done by people who have made it their vocation, with their real job being secondary. They move into a targeted town to get a job on campus or in a bar, blend in, maybe take a class, pick victims, and then begin to do their real work. When school is out, they leave with the general population of students. It would answer the question of why so many students died in the same area, yet have disappeared across the country too. It would answer the question about what they did for a living. It's how they hide because they have no personal ties to the victim. They live like all the other students except for this one thing. And because of the mobility of students, being new in town is in question. I think they might have some tie to the bars, either bartender, server, musician, some sort of service person. Although, who knows about that part? Maybe just a, maybe just a friendly regular customer. I don't know what that means. And they keep in touch by computer. Like they don't work there. They're just a patron. Yeah. And they keep in touch by computer. I think the way a lot of you seem to think, this is just some anonymous friendly guy. Maybe he sets it up and when the victim is targeted, he calls for a secondary team that comes in to help. So this is theorizing that it's like a group of bartenders that they come into town, they get a job at a bar, drug kids. When the kids are leaving, they call a group that that comes. And that they travel. And that they travel. The country. It just seems like so much work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And why? I guess just for the thrill of it? I don't know. I, I do think that in the Christopher Jenkins case, something was up with the bouncer at the bar because uh, his scent was traced by a bloodhound oh, to the to parking garage car. where the bouncer's car. Mm-hmm. Like, I think something hinky happened with Christopher yeah. Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, That's probably But I think that was a one-time thing, yeah. you know? But I don't really buy the a group of roving bartenders or bouncers and stuff that just get jobs in a college town to kill people right. i don't know <laughs> this next one is weird not like some of these other ones weren't but this is sub theory s a group of radical environmentalists who follow the poet gary snyder <laughs> <laughs> really specific okay yeah i'm not even going to really go into this one because it's long and it's just weird and and there's stuff like some of gary snyder's poetry has quotes in it that like tie in somehow to the killings like this person writes in the redskins chapter of the book earth house snyder wrote quote most tribes apparently achieve these results simply through yogic type disciplines and one religion tradition of the communion with nature which has survived into historic western times is what has been called witchcraft the altered and pelted figure painted on the cave wall of troy frere a shaman dancer poet is a prototype of shiva and the devil Snyder refers to this altered painted figure as the devil. To me, this explains why 9 out of 22 smiley faces have devil horns. 
In describing this painted altered devil, Snyder wrote, quote, The devil appeared in the likeness of a pretty boy. Most of the young college guys were pretty boys, young and good looking. So, Grasping at straws, yeah. making connections that don't exist. The smiley face killers are a cult whose mission is to destroy people, generally white people they view as being capitalistic who do not conform to their way of thinking. They view humans as less superior than plants and animals. They believe humans hinder life on Earth. They view white college men as capitalists and the source of the problems in the United States and around the world. They are compelled to murder these men and believe they are doing the world a service. They especially resent white capitalist men who, quote, drink to it, as written about in the poem Money Goes Upstream by Snyder. The smiley face killers focus on Snyder's, Snyder's writings as their religion and lifestyle, and they could belong to any race, including white. Snyder's writings, Snyder's writings focus around Native American religion and Buddhism, but have a mix of other religions as well. Because they feel Buddhism? the need Buddhism. Because they need feel the need to kill white males. <laughs> because they feel the need to kill white males, they must do it in a way that they will not be caught. Uh, there's cryptic links. Uh, Snyder had a poem called The Dead by the Side of the Road, which seems to be the template for the Chris Jenkins homicide. Of the many published poems by Gary Snyder, this one happens to be published in Minnesota by Ally Press. And a lot of the uh, graffiti mentions Indian stuff. It mentions Ally, the word Ally, which they believe refers to Ally Press, which which published Gary Snyder's poetry. Uh, I don't know. Don't know. Nah. <laughs> We're going to go with nah on that no. one? You don't think it's a group of radical environmentalists <laughs> who follow the poet Gary Snyder? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But as far as what the detectives don't, don't really release a whole ton of their theories. Christopher Jenkins' sister says that she understands why the theory is unbelievable to most about this, about there being a group of smiley face killers, but she says that the detectives have seen most of the data. They have strong facts. They know the motives, but they cannot disclose the motive. They're trying to get the FBI to take a closer look and make arrests and that the detectives know the name of some individuals involved in their locations. Hmm. So those are all group theories that it is a group doing this like i need a break this episode's gonna go longer than usual i think but that's okay we're at an hour and a half okay we still got uh, we still got a ways to go but so that is i need a a snack for (laughs) sub theory number two which is that it is a group doing it okay and sub theory three under it being hinky that these people are being murdered sub theory three is weirdness and that leads to sub sub theory A, alien abduction, okay. which has popped up several times. Sure. I don't think any of this is paranormal. I'm <laughs> no, just going to put I it out either. there. I don't either, but you'd be surprised how many people do. Uh, alien abduction, I've seen thrown in there. Okay. No, I'm no. just going to say no on that no. one. Uh, an- I don't think it has any of the hallmarks of alien no. abduction. No, it doesn't. So the aliens are picking up drunk dudes outside a bar. Roofing them. Roofing them. Probing them probably and then dropping them off in the water. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to say no on the no. alien abductions. Sub sub theory B: a Native American curse. <laughs> Krista's got the, the Native roll- Americans alone for God's Krista's sake. rolling the eyes again, but I've seen that thrown out there. Native American curse. <laughs> so I don't know. This one is interesting. I thought as far as the paranormal ones, and I I I think this one is interesting. And it is the idea of sirens or something oh, luring people okay. to the water. Sure. 
Uh, somebody wrote, I participated in the river watch walk in 2015, some cold ass freezing nights walking back and forth. We did run into people who were headed towards the water, at least one per night that I remember getting in the water right there makes no sense. Whatever the time of the year it is. I'm not sure what to make of it all. And somebody asked, were they drunk or just wanting to get into the water at night? And then they responded, they all seemed a little drunk, but none of them said they were going for a swim. We were not allowed to stop them. Just tell them the park was closed and we had to radio the police who would come and ask them to leave. Somebody on Reddit writes, Hey guys, this happened to me about a year ago and I've gone back and forth on what it could have possibly been for the entire time. I've told some close friends who've not been able to offer any ideas, so at this point I'm just putting it out there to see if anyone had a similar experience. Last December I was visiting a short town in New Jersey with my family, Cape May. We had been out drinking and it was around midnight when my boyfriend and I went for a walk on the beach. I grew up next to the ocean for going for late, so going for late night walks along the beach is no stranger to me. Now, the alcohol has to do with why we didn't bring coats, but not much else. This is where my memory cuts out. My boyfriend told me that we were about 100 yards away from the ocean when I turned to him and said, I'm going in the water now. Don't follow me. I'm pretty strong-willed, so he gave me a little space. Next thing I remember, I am hysterically crying, talking to something I can't see in the water, telling it, quote, I don't want to die. Literally begging out loud for my life with something in the water that is trying to pull me in. At this point, I have on only socks, and I am walking on the jetty. It's wet and slippery, and it's December, so the water is very cold and continuing to splash up onto the jetty. I sit down, and I'm staring into certain sections of the water, again, just saying over and over how I don't want to die, and please don't make me do this. I couldn't see anything beneath the surface of the water. I just felt this weird magnetic pull where it was, and like it knew exactly what it wanted me to do. Then I heard and saw my boyfriend coming down the jetty to me, looking very concerned. Whatever the pull this was immediately ended, and I basically ran to him, and we left the beach. I want to make a few things clear. I'm... I never in my right mind would ever walk out on the jetty at night or in wintertime. It's dangerous even on a sunny day in summer because those rocks can get super slippery. If you fall in, you are going to die. The second thing is I am not nor have ever been a suicidal person. The thought of suicide has never crossed my mind. Third, the ocean used to be my favorite place in the world. Like I would literally spend hours in there and be completely content. This summer, I barely went past my waist in the water and didn't stay long because I was so afraid whatever this thing was, it might come back. I have no idea what happened because I couldn't see anything. I could just feel it and hear it inside my head. I've gone through a list of things and found nothing. Does anybody have any ideas? Hmm. And that's weird. Like I've come across a couple other stories where like people are like drawn mm -hmm. like to walk into water and kill themselves. And people theorize that maybe the alcohol lowers the inhibition and they follow through on this. I mean, to me, out of all the like the weird theories, this one sounds plausible to me because some of these stories where the people have drowned the person would have had across like eight lanes of highway traffic, mm -hmm. which makes no sense for somebody to kill them and, and like throw them in. So it's just weird. Like is something drawing these people to the water that is causing them to kill themselves in it? Although I feel like there are cases where people saw a car following someone as they were stumbling down the sidewalk or the people who survived were abducted by yeah. human beings. So yeah. is it maybe a plausible for a handful of the cases, maybe. That story from the girl creeped me out that something was like trying to lure yeah. her into the water. And it almost That's sounds like creepy. the missing 411 where you're getting lured into the woods. The woods, right. You know, like something is luring people and whatever this is. Uh, mm -hmm. Sub theory D under was this. There is a full moon? That's sub theory like D that. under this, portals. Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't get and it. And sub theory E under weirdness. The same thing that is happening in missing 411 cases, whatever that is. <laughs> but I, I kind of <laughs> makes sense. Is. It kind of makes sense to me. Like, like the, the, 
the drawing the person to the water. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the missing 411 cases revolve around water or the person is found in yep. water, mm-hmm. which is weird. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I don't know. It just I happen to not be drunk. Out of all the weird dudes. theories, I like the siren, the siren or something one. drawing people to the water that it's they won't go into the water and kill themselves. Blaming Native Americans <laughs> or or train refrigerator or a train uh, air conditioner <laughs> repairman. <Right. laughs> but I kind of like the siren. Of all like, the paranormal explanations, that would be the most possible. Yeah, sure. and I, I'm fascinated by that idea that something is beckoning the person, and that's mm-hmm. why these people, why it's drunk people, because it lowers. They are somehow able to get through more mm-hmm. to the drunk people to just beckon them into the water. Right. And this person that was walking at the park, like guarding it, even said that people would just come up and like they wanted to go into the water and they didn't know why or whatever. By themselves. Yeah. Which is weird. Which is very strange. All right. So that is everything for Big Theory Uno, which is something is killing these people. Okay. Now we get to Big Theory Dose, all accidental deaths, that these are all just drownings. And there's a whole list. There's 18 reasons why the Center for Homicide Research believes that the smiley face theory is not credible. Do you want me to go through all 18? You can just list them real quick. Okay. Uh, There is a problem of time order. Some of the photographs of the graffiti show faded, worn out paint that looks to have been applied years earlier. Okay. So yeah, there might be a smiley face there, but it could have been put there in 1987. Right. You know, long before this person died. It's number one. There's a problem of time order. Problem number two, graffiti is everywhere. Sure. Smileys have now become a universal symbol of happiness. They exist everywhere from children's stickers to commercial logos. One reason this graffiti is found everywhere, that it is the easiest form of graffiti to paint. Mm-hmm. The, the promo picture I'm putting up for this episode is a smiley face that I found on our track outside school that mm-hmm. the students drew in chalk. Mm-hmm. So if you have... I would do a smiley face. Like Find it's, me a train car that doesn't have a smiley face Exactly. On. Exactly. <laughs> Reason number three why it's not a smiley face killing group, none of the smiley faces exactly match one another. Mm. I don't really buy that as a theory because if it's different cells of groups, they're going to draw them differently. Number four, the word Cincinnawa, which is claimed to have been found at several scenes, is a red herring. It is commonly found throughout the Midwest and therefore is randomly occurring in graffiti found painted near several drowning sites. It is an Indian-based word meaning rattlesnake or home of the young eagle. I didn't see anything that said it's a grave. Rattlesnake is what I usually see. Mm -hmm. Reason number five, no criteria has been established specifying the necessary distance that a smiley face must occur in proximity to a deceased body in order for it to be counted. Could be a mile away. They could go five miles away and be like, look, there's a smiley face right Right. here. It's a smiley face killer. Yeah. Number six, there's no evidence usually of trauma, which is true. It's true. Number seven, homicidal drowning is extremely rare it only accounts for two tenths of one percent of all u.s killings that's like point zero point two percent of killings is homicidal drownings reason number eight the idea that water washes away all the evidence is a complete myth reason number nine these drownings don't fit a serial killer motive reason number 10 confessions by correctional inmates are unreliable sure Reason number 11, the general environment of these disappearances are conducive to accidental drownings. All drownings appear to have occurred at night in the dark in an area not far from bars and colleges. Inebriates who stagger away from bars are more likely to walk or stagger downhill because it's easier. Mm. Rivers are typically downhill from these establishments and only a few blocks away. Many access points to the water lack barrier protection such as walls or fences. Intoxicated people typically experience disorientation and impaired coordination, which makes them susceptible to falling. 100% agree with that. 
Number 12, the supposition that only males are drowning does not necessarily support a serial killer theory. Males are more likely than females to die or be hospitalized from drowning. Alcohol and risky behavior have been shown to be major factors in drowning cases, and males are much more likely to engage in risky behaviors even when not drinking. Mm -hmm. It is also probable that females are dying from intoxication in other ways, such as falling from a river bluff or dying in a dormitory room from acute alcohol intoxication. So they're just basically saying that it's men because men are dumber. You know, they just take they take <laughs> well, risks. They get yeah, and I feel like women, even if you're intoxicated, you're still you have the self preservation. You're not going to go wander off yep. into the night by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like you have a better like if you're a guy, you think you're invincible. Yes, you know, basically. Yeah, I'm just and I, I know home. somebody brought that up in the in the in the uh, strangers too is about like the sexism issue yeah. that it's but guys do think that we're invincible and yeah. and women have been justifiably conditioned to be careful going to a bar where guys don't think anything's going to happen to them like this because they're tough and strong and all Mm -hmm. that. You know, reason number 13, lacrosse, Wisconsin foot patrols and police have stopped over 50 intoxicated people from approaching the river late at night from 2006 (laughs) to 2010. Okay. (laughs) Number 14, the process by which intoxicated men accidentally fall into the river is known and well documented. Hmm. Reason number 15, Many of these drowning cases are likely to have involved aspects of auto-assassination. Auto-assassination is not suicide, but it's the style of living with reckless disregard for one's own life. Responsible drinking does not involve drinking to the point of intoxication. So it's saying that these people like have a... I don't want to say... A, but a lot of them are drugged, though. That's the part yeah, I struggle yeah, with a little bit. Yeah, yep. Unless they were taking it recreationally. Number 16, malicious drugging of victims is unsupportable by the evidence. One claim being made is that drowning victims were drugged by the offenders prior to their abduction to obtain control over the victim and that it was a drug not detectable by autopsy. The problematic claim is not falsifiable unless investigators were purposely looking for a suspected toxin. GHB and other substances do not stay in the body for very long. While some of these drowning victims do evidence GHB presence, there's no evidence to support that the drugging was malicious. They believe that the people took the recreation drugs recreationally. Number 17, the presence of GHB in victims' bodies does not indicate that they were maliciously drugged. In some cases, GHB was detected alongside high levels of alcohol. GHB is a naturally produced chemical in the human body. Though typically produced in small amounts, the decomposition process can release additional GHB into the system. GHB seems less relevant since alcohol alone can cause effects similar to those associated with GHB, such as loss uh, of muscle coordination or dizziness. So they're saying that these people that are fine one second and not the next, it just the alcohol just kicked in. Yeah. That it's not necessarily that they were drugged. Well, and I will say... And I, one thing that I don't know... Sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. I know you usually interrupt me according to our reviews. <laughs> yep. uh, I don't know... Like the... Uh, I don't... One thing I didn't look at because I kind of looked at it and it was like, whoa, too many big words, was <laughs> GHB occurring naturally in the human body mm -hmm. after death like how how much there can be but it's a lot of chemistry and stuff that i don't get so what i was going to say though is that you know we already heard one account of a mother saying my son was a good kid he never did drugs that's the thing is everybody's going to think that nobody is going to want to think that their kids are sorry but your kid probably experimented with drugs in college they all do yeah and And they're not going to tell you that no Number 18, the drowning of college students is not limited by region, but by climate. It happens in the United Kingdom and Canada as well. 
States such as Arizona, Utah, and Nevada all lack cases due to their absence of water in the desert climate. The deaths in other countries are never linked by nefarious activity, just believed to be the accidental behavior of inexperienced and intoxicated youths. So they're saying that the reason why people up in Midwest, like in Wisconsin, disappear, drown so much is because there's so much water. Like down in Nevada, there's not. Sure. And that's the last one. So those are the reasons why... Here's my counter-argument against some of those, though. Okay. So I do think there are a handful of cases, though, where the it was determined that the person had died weeks before they were oh, yeah. placed in the yeah. water. The, the, the first That's one, Patrick, Patrick McNeil, where he had, like, fly larvae in his groin, that right. there was no way that that would have happened if he was in the water. Right. You know, so, I don't know. We're going to, like, Big Theory 3 is the one that I buy. And okay. you're going to buy that one, too. Okay. Uh, but then we look at stuff like lacrosse, which had a ton of deaths, like the smi- so-called smiley face deaths, did something called Operation Riverwatch. Between 1997 and 2006, lacrosse experienced tragedy as eight separate college students were found to have drowned in the Mississippi River. The deaths, contrary to some serial killer theories put forth, were determined to be the results of excessive drinking combined with close proximity to Riverside Park, which borders the Mississippi River. After mourning the last death in the fall of 2006, Operation Riverwatch was established as a tri-campus community-based public safety initiative created by the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse's Sigma Tau Gamma fraternity. And basically what this was is recruited volunteers from the University of Wisconsin and other colleges nearby to go out and patrol Riverside Park every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night of the academic year. Due to a city of due to a city of lacrosse statute, the park closes at 11 o'clock at night, and these volunteers ensure that no one entered the park after hours when the bars were closing. Today, since this program has started, there's not been a single death in the Mississippi River near there as a result of the program and the collaboration of the lacrosse community. Every weekend, our volunteers come into contact with intoxicated individuals, and often these are individuals who are disoriented to the part where they believe they are walking towards their home back home in the city when they are actually walking straight to the river. An FBI report that investigated the drowning cases in La Crosse determined that the presence of Operation Riverwatch in the community has saved many lives. The program has also been noticed by local community and the local campuses receiving numerous awards. So basically, they're saying that records show that the patrol intercepted nearly 1,300 people in the park after hours in 2011. Police cadets encountered nearly 3,600 people between 2009 and 2011, although it's not clear in either figure how many of them were intoxicated. You could argue, though, that their presence also took away oh, the opportunity from, yeah, for murder. Yeah, for killers to throw the body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. That's great that lives have, that many lives have potentially been saved. That's amazing. Yeah. And they're saying that it's just from drinking. Uh, New York Times article from 2006 called, quote, In Wisconsin, the Tragedy of Drinking and Drowning says, Searchers combing the Mississippi River this month pulled out the body of basketball player Luke Homan, the eighth college-age man in nine years to disappear from a city tavern and turn up dead in the river. Lacrosse officials have debated for years how to keep drunken college students safe, but some say there may be no answer for a town with three colleges, three rivers, and $3 pitchers of beer, <laughs> which, which is 100%. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure there's anything we can do to prevent a future tragedy, Mayor Mark Johnsrud said. Some officials want to rein in the binge drinking culture. Others have proposed, proposed fencing off the waterfront. The most recent string of deaths began in July 1997 when searchers pulled 19-year-old Richard Havlitt's body from the Mississippi River near the park. 
College wrestler, college wrestler Jared Dion became the seventh drowning victim in 2004 when his body turned up at the same park. The community is saturated with thousands of students attending the University of Wisconsin's lacrosse campus, as well as Viterbo University and Western Wisconsin Technical College. Downtown bars catered to these young drinkers, offering booze at dirt-cheap prices. The Vibe, where Holman was last seen alive, offers an all-you-can-drink special for $5. Shots are just a dollar. A sign hanging in the bar's window says, quote, you're not drunk if you can lie on the floor without holding on. <laughs> down the street, okay. down the street, Brothers offers bottles of beer for a buck on Wednesdays. The Helm boasts 50-cent schnapps and $3 pitchers from midnight to 1.30 a.m. And that's true. Like, drinking in Wisconsin is dirt cheap. Well, yeah. I, I know I went to Whitewater, and that's known as a party college, but I think lacrosse is kind of known as a yeah, party college. I always yeah. think of the... the comedy segment from uh oh, what's his name he was on the daily show he was always like angry john stewart no oh. he he uh, what's his name hang on lewis black hmm. like i always think lewis black and i think i might have posted this if not i'll post it in the group lewis black does a, a segment on drinking in wisconsin mm. and he talks about how if he wants to go on a bender he said he'll fly from new york to wisconsin <laughs> because even with the plane ticket it's still cheaper than drinking in new york right. and it's true i mean it's so cheap in Wisconsin, especially to drink. in college, towns. especially in college towns, you know, and they're saying that's the problem is that it's more of a binge drinking problem than it is a serial killer problem. Uh, University of Wisconsin senior Kathy Long says, quote, the problem is that the drinking culture is already up on a pedestal in this town. Mary Torstvit, assistant director of prevention services at the University of Wisconsin, said that students that live off campus are pretty much on their own. She says, drinking just seems to be such a standard part of Wisconsin culture and lacrosse culture. We'll always be fighting that. She goes on to say, quote, at some point, we have to start working on personal responsibility. That's probably the biggest thing. You can't have somebody looking out for you your whole life. So they're saying that this is just a binge drinking problem mm -hmm. and students getting stinking drunk and just walking into the river. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, 23% of lacrosse County adults report excessive drinking, defined as at least four drinks in a sitting for a woman and five for a man, in a survey conducted between 2004 and 2010. That compares with 8% of adults nationally. Hmm. So for <laughs> us, it's 23%. For the rest of the, the country, it's 8%. So we know how to drink here in Wisconsin. We do. Yep. Uh, somebody on Web Sleuths writes, quote, Performing complex tasks as well as engaging in behaviors one would not generally engage in while being completely amnesic of such is a well-known hallmark of acute alcohol poisoning alcohol interferes with short-term memory hence events are never committed to long-term memory to recall later in fact alcohol is not only significantly correlated to short-term memory loss but over time and through extended use gross memory impairments this memory interference does not necessarily result in an interference of executive functioning however in other words not everyone gets falling down drunk mm -hmm. sudden drowning syndrome or what's known as cold shock response it happens. Being a good swimmer does not protect one from drowning if they fall into a body of cold water. And that's a big thing is you could be the captain of the swim team, but mm -hmm. if you fall into a cold river, Hypothermia you're going to go into shock, yeah. right? Right. You're not, your body's not going to work like the way it's supposed to. You're not going to want to know what to do. Right. Somebody else writes, having lived in Wisconsin, Delaware, and the Pacific Northwest, I can tell you that the culture surrounding alcohol consumption in the upper Midwest is not the norm around much of the rest of the country. Since leaving Wisconsin, I haven't experienced a party-slash-drinking atmosphere that rivals an autumn Saturday in Madison, for example. <laughs> in Wisconsin, the we and this is true, in Wisconsin, the weekend begins on Thursday night yes, and goes does. till Sunday night. Thursday mm -hmm. night is like a huge drinking night in, in Wisconsin. College. Well, especially in the college Yeah, community. in college is like, I remember going to college. 
bars would offer all these things Thursday nights. It's just weird to me. I never really thought about that until I was researched. They said in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. weekend starts on Thursday and goes to Sunday night. Yep. Binge drinking is a much bigger problem among college-age people in the upper Midwest. Many college students, males mostly, go out with the intention of nothing more than getting hammered. I don't think they want to be vomiting by the end of the night, but they certainly want to be numb. I haven't seen that anywhere else that I lived. As for why it doesn't happen more during spring break, I think it's because there are so many people around. I'm sure there's extra lifeguards and cops running around. Certainly enough people to pull someone out of the water if they accidentally fall in. And as mentioned earlier, cold water is harder to swim in. It might be easier for a drunk to get out of the water in warmer spring break spots. Well, especially on a beach. Like the Mississippi's not a beach. You're basically falling off a cliff in some areas. And I love this quote from somebody on Reddit named Tanner Soap. He says, quote, Having personally witnessed a drunk male crawl towards the river because he was sure it was Pine Street, I can finally verify the true identities of the smiley face killers. They are Jack Daniels, Jose Cuervo, Captain Morgan, and all-you-can-drink wristbands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but then arguments against this. Somebody wrote in and said, I don't know what thread to put this in. Please forgive me if I goofed, but I keep hearing about colleges where there have been no clear-cut cases, but that are still near rivers or water. Examples include Quincy University, University of Iowa, Loris College, Bradley University, UW-Green Bay, where I went, UW-River Falls, UW-Oshkosh, Carroll College, and Carthage College. Why, even though these college campuses are on water, Mm, why are there no drownings at these colleges? Which is true. Yeah, but the UWGB is a campus in the middle of like a residential area, yeah. right? It's it, not yeah, near it's not, bars. You can't, you, well, I think, I'm sure there's bars near there. I mean, I got stinking drunk in the Rathskeller in the cafeteria at the college when I went there. Yeah, but these are all things that happen off campus though, in like a bar district. In a, yeah, and I think it's like where it's situated, where the water yeah, in like relation to the water. Yeah, like Green Bay is really far But from this UWGB. person is saying, why are these other colleges that some of these like right are on rivers, how come there's not as many drownings there as there are at these other ones? And that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I think college town yep. that's on a river. And then somebody else writes in, quote, I don't even want to mention what college I went to because I can't help but fear that if the killers are reading boards like this, they'll suddenly decide that it's a great location for another victim. <laughs> right. At any rate, I went to a school that had water separating the campus with all the fun bars on one side. Half of the students would have had to cross the bridge to go to the bars. I can't tell you the number of times I saw students stumbling out of bars at the end of the night, but there has never been an accidental drowning of a student after going to our bars. Never. So it will never make sense to me when law enforcement says that it just happens when kids are drinking. No, it doesn't. If you're that drunk, you have a hard time making it to the river, much less falling over a chest-high railing or walking across eight lanes of highway traffic or over large rocks to get to the water, which is true. Yeah, that's a good point. And finally, Big Theory Trey, number three, Big Theory, the one that I buy, it's a combination of the two. And I I really think it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, The smiley face symbol has not been present at every death site. And that's why I think I think they're grasping at straws with the idea that the smiley face symbol means something. I think it's random graffiti. I think there are desperate parents who want an explanation other than your yeah, kid got drunk. Yeah, and that the desperate parents goes to the fact that a lot of people have negative thoughts about the detectives who mm-hmm. started the thing. That mm. these these detectives are giving are feeding False into the family's desire for them to not believe that it was their students their son risky behavior yeah that they want to believe that there is a group out there yeah they want to believe that there is a group out there killing these people and these detectives are feeding into that so there's a lot of negative because that's easier to accept than your kid's death was probably preventable yeah you know what i mean yes but i do believe that it's a a combination of the two Mm -hmm. but i did not know this and i kind of hesitated saying this because i don't want to call out the guy 
but I never knew this until I was listening to one of the podcasts and I brought it up. Kevin Gannon is one of the the big detective guys, right? From a March 6, 2010 issue of the Twin Cities Pioneer Press newspaper, an article says, quote, Kevin Gannon, the ex-New York cop who believes a team of smiley-faced serial killers is responsible for the drownings of young men across the country, was investigated in the sexual assault of a 19-year-old University of St. Thomas student last spring during the search for a missing St. Thomas freshman. According to one search organizer, Gannon had not done much to help, quote, with the exception of hanging around downstairs, talking with female volunteers, and eating. The police file states, the student said Gannon would just sit around eating and talking to the cute females telling them war stories. Other students told investigators that Gannon called the alleged victim, quote, pretty and complimented her on her beautiful legs. The assault allegedly took place April 19th in the parking lot of the U.S. Bank in St. Paul. Surveillance cameras recorded a Lincoln matching Gannon's rental vehicle's description in the parking lot for 73 minutes that evening. The student, described by police as, quote, very distraught, was first interviewed by St. Paul police on April 23rd. She told Sergeant Shannon Hutton that she did not know the missing student well, but some of her friends involved in the search did. She joined the search and heard the rumors that Zamlin, the student, was abducted by the smiley face killers, according to Hutton's report. She goes on to say, quote, they told us all about their NYPD stories and filled us with hope. They said they were going to figure this out and they were going to help us find Dan. The student said Gannon asked to see her April 19th because he was leaving the next day and he made it sound as if he would be accompanied by Duarte. But Gannon came alone and drove her to the bank parking lot, according to the police report. After some chit-chat about cases, Gannon grabbed her foot, which he had injured days earlier, and, quote, started kissing and licking my toes, telling me that if I was with a guy who wouldn't kiss or lick my toes, he wasn't good enough. Oh, my God. She said Gannon eventually put his hands inside her underpants and penetrated her before he drove her back to the St. Thomas campus. She was frozen with fear, said a police investigator describing the student after the incident. The student told close friends what allegedly happened two days after the incident, having waited because she was afraid that it would distract from the search for Zamlin. She then contacted campus officials. Gannon told Dale Zamlin, who I'm thinking is either the father or the brother of the missing student, who learned of the allegation that, quote, nothing happened. He then left the Twin Cities before police had a chance to talk with him. Gannon left a voicemail with a police investigator April 27th saying that he heard, quote, disturbing news that someone had made a complaint against him. That was the last time sex crime investigators heard from him, despite repeated calls. And I mean, that has nothing to do with the with the case itself. You know, no, like it, 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 it casts a, it casts a, it casts a negative light on 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 him and his motives. Yeah, like he was more yeah. interested in hanging out with the which, granted, I would be too, uh-huh. hanging out with the college age females and then and eating than actually working on the case. Mm-hmm. And like I said, a lot of people feel that they are feeding into the parents' desire for it not to be an accident and that for mm-hmm. it to be a murder. Right. So. I do mm-hmm. think this is the correct one. I think some of these were accidental drownings, and I think some of them were murders, but I don't think they were connected murders. I think they were individual murders that happened. I just, I don't know. I don't buy the idea well, of a gang. Yeah, no, I'm either. I think if any of them were connected, it was done by a single person. It was probably just a handful. Yeah. And then everything else kind of got looped in yeah. because and some then of you the had copycat. You could have copycat similar. killers going yeah. out there. You have people Accidental wanting to muddy death. the waters going out and putting smiley faces everywhere near water. Like when they pull this guy out of Lake Michigan, somebody might go down there and put a smiley face just thinking that they're funny. Right. So right. I feel like I feel like it's just a lot of feeding in on itself. And yeah. I do feel like 
Some of them are true, just accidental. Yep. Intoxicated drownings. Some are just murder. And, and some are just murder. Yeah. But it just don't if there, see. If there is a smiley face killer, it is one person and it's a very small group yeah. in a very specific area. Like lacrosse or one of these yes. areas where nine people died. It's not across the country. Right. You know, so there you go. And I want to end with this quote from the Dark Rituals of the Smiley Face Killers blog that I made fun of before about the Satanism stuff. Okay. But I do really like this quote and I really, really believe this. Quote, everyone who looks into the smiley face killers initially are looking at a media invented piece of entertainment carefully crafted to sell copy and keep advertisers happy. This sadly is a sign of the day and age infotainment where new stories become a money making adventure. Mm-hmm. For all the idealism and good intentions of young journalists with their hopes of truly being a voice of scrutiny against corruption within society, a voice for the voiceless, a diligent guardian of the masses, etc., the actual truth is real investigative journalism no longer exists, and anyone naive enough to think that they would become a journalist to truly make a difference for the progression of a civilized and accountable society should think again. For any of us who are gripped by the entertaining saga of the smiley face killers, the true horror of the reality of these murders eventually becomes apparent. And far from this story being a fun distraction, we should become seriously aware of how this evil must be stopped. Mm-hmm. And that's true. People, yep. people, again, we talk about this a lot, but people forget that Christopher Jenkins has a family. Right. He's not just some dumb News drunk story. kid that went out in an Indian costume and... Yeah. Drowned. Like right. he has a he has a sister that misses him. He has a family. Mm-hmm. And that's something that. Yeah. I uh, agree. Gets lost. It gets lost. Like mm-hmm. people, people misconstrue true, true crime stuff for entertainment when that's really not what it is. And, right. and dubbing these, the quote, smiley face killers is like a type of sensationalism that yeah. makes this more entertainment than tragic deaths of young Makes it kids. More juicy than so, it probably is. Yeah. So there you go. There are theories about the smiley face killers. I will say that after this, I feel much less inclined to believe that the smiley group. face killer or killers yeah. is even a thing. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I can see some of them being a group doing this, but not the entire thing. I think it's very unlikely. Yeah. Though. And yeah. it's probably just one person if it yep. is. Yep. Hmm. All right then. All right, we are going to do we are going to do a listener question, and then I'm going to do I'm only going to do my two song picks. Well, I'm going to do three. What the heck? It's our show. We can That's do that. Right. We'll do two because <laughs> the first one, the first one is from anonymous. Would you rather wear socks full of spaghetti for a day or gloves filled with fish guts? Socks full of spaghetti. Socks full of spaghetti. One hundred percent. Yeah, would smell way better. Yeah. <laughs> Gloves filled with fish guts. I mean, how would you even like do anything with gloves? I don't full of know. Fish guts? No, I don't know. I'm Number going with one. the socks full of spaghetti. Yep. Number two, anonymous. What is a topic or thing in the paranormal or strange world that you two disagree about? Bigfoot. That's what they said. Bigfoot, i.e. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because I don't buy it. Buy it. Mm-hmm. I think Krista buys the idea. Willie oh, is very insulted. I'm, I'm sorry, Willie. <laughs> uh, Krista buys the idea that there is a huge, cryptid, monkey, ape thing. Mm-hmm. It. I don't. If there is something like that, I think it's something way more weird than that i'm mm-hmm. thinking portals i'm thinking alternate dimensions i'm mm-hmm. not thinking uh, i'm thinking it's flesh and blood i'm not thinking it's flesh and blood and i'm thinking if it's flesh and blood it's it's not normal flesh and blood mm-hmm. so that is something and i just i just don't buy the bigfoot thing mm-hmm. i just don't yeah that's definitely it that is that is it that is our what we disagree <laughs> yep. on yep i'm gonna go with my i'm doing three song picks because 
I had two, and then when I was driving down, I put a bunch of old forgotten music onto my flash drive, and I found this song, and I just love this song. I might have even actually done it already, so we're going to do that one. But I'm doing three song picks today just because it's our podcast and because I can. <laughs> uh, so my first song that I'm going with is a song that you probably know if you're of advanced age like me. or <laughs> You probably heard this song or it was played on the radio a lot. And I just want to start with this quote from YouTube, which I love this quote. And I was thinking a lot about this on a drive down. The quote on YouTube under the song's video says, quote, there was a decade sandwiched between the end of the Cold War and the start of the post 9-11 world. A decade of great music, hope for the future, and genuine human connections. We saw the birth of some amazing new technology, but it didn't control us yet. It wasn't perfect, but it was damn near close. Ladies and gentlemen, that decade was the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the 90s. To me, the 90s were the last... I don't know. There, I feel like I band? feel like no. Okay. I feel like I wasn't a grunge fan. Mm. I feel like after nine eleven, the world changed. I feel oh. like I feel like yeah. the '90s were one of the last great decades of innocence. Innocence, mm-hmm. perfect word for that. I was trying to think of what to say, but this song, depressing song. But I just have always loved this song. And then I don't listen to it for a while. And when I listen to it again, I'm just like, God, this is such a good song. And it is the song The Freshman by the band The Verve Pipe. Oh. If you heard the song, yep. you would totally know we were it. Nearly and, freshmen. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. it is such a good song. It's like a slower song, but then it kind oh, of Oh, I actually know a yeah, song that you're recommending. Yeah, it's it's slower, but then it kind yeah. of builds up to where like where the guy's kind of like yelly mm-hmm. a little bit at the end. But it's such a good song. And it's such a nineties video. It is. Where he's at sitting at a table singing in the background, the band is playing, but the lights are flickering so you can't always see them. And it has my most obscure crush in a video where it's his, I think it's his real life girlfriend. You only see like bits and pieces of her, but there's a part of the video where the music kind of like goes back soft again and then he starts like getting up out of his chair and then you can see she's behind him and like pushes him back down and puts her arms around him. And I just love that imagery of that video. Like it's such a good video. It's such a good song. And it is one of my all time favorite songs. And it is the freshman by the Verve pipe. My other song that I really love, I believe is from the two thousands, but this is a band. I might have had one of their songs on here before. I'm just like fascinated with this band, but it's one of those bands where I don't like some of their stuff, but then the stuff that I do like is amazing. And the band is Block Party. And the song is, I believe, pronounced Kreuzberg or Kreuzberg. Okay. It is, Kreuzberg is a city in Berlin, near Berlin. And the song is kind of about the Berlin Wall. And it's like a metaphor about love and sex and stuff. But it is such a good song. And it's one of those songs that I forget about. And then when it pops up on my flash drive when I'm driving, I'm like, holy crap, I love this song. Hmm. It's a very winter song to me. Like you should be listening to it when the snow is falling and... But it's it's the song Kreuzberg or Kreuzberg by Block Party. And I love that song. And my third song, the one that popped onto my flash drive when I was driving down here, and I was like, holy crap, I like this song. It is the song Come On, Come Out by A Fine Frenzy. Oh, I love A Fine and Frenzy. And Allison Sudol, I think her name is, the singer. Mm-hmm. I, her voice is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And this is just such a beautiful song about... Uh, not spending your life inside and going outside and seeing like the the sky and all that stuff. It's just such a good song. And her voice is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. So those are my three songs, the freshman by the Verve pipe, Kreuzberg or Kreuzberg by block party and come on, come out by a fine frenzy. She has red hair, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. I really like Not that. so much a crush on her and I don't really know why, mm. but 
I don't know. I'm weird that way. Somebody wants me to rate my crushes for one of the, our listener questions <laughs> wants me to rate my crushes. So maybe That's some funny. episode I'll do that. Maybe, maybe like a side sessions. I'll do yeah. my top Kurt's five crushes. crushes. But uh, those are my three songs. So I was just going to mention really quickly. If you, I just started watching a, uh, Stranger Things. The season four was just released uh, this month, I think. And I watched the first episode and I don't know, I, I'm excited to get to dig into it. So I was just going to give a, a shout out to Stranger Things. If anyone's watching it, um, don't give away any plot spoilers, but um, I just start, finished episode one. A couple I just feel like ago. I gave up on it. I just couldn't get into the show. Anymore. Season three got a little crazy for sure, but I like where season four is starting. So I should watch it one of these days. I'm watching the boys right now and I'm kind of losing. It's like a little too gory and a little too. It's just too much drama. Uh, and sp- just bad stuff yeah it is it's a lot of bad stuff yeah. uh adam just said in our picture that it looks like i'm sniffing your hair <laughs> did it smell good so yeah i did so apparently i'm a <laughs> i'm a hair sniffing fetishist should, <laughs> so should i read a joke real quick sure i don't remember what you read i think you read them last time why did jimmy throw the clock out the window yeah i want to see time fly okay what language does a billboard speak what sign language <laughs> but um oh, all right so I think that's it. Hopefully we did the so. smiler, smiley face killer, smiler face. Smiler face. <laughs> Hopefully we did the smiley face killer stuff justice. Uh, personally, I'm going with the train air conditioner. Yeah, air conditioner 100%. repairman. 100%. I'm going with Starbucks baristas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I let us know what you guys think of this episode. Yeah. Let us know if this changed your opinion on it. It changed mine. Yeah. So that's it changed something. mine too. I just, I just can't see the idea. I've been into this for a while. Yeah, you have been. So. so now you know what it's like when I research something and I'm like, oh, I thought it was super interesting and it's not. So sorry. Thanks, Kurt. I just got to disprove Bigfoot. I just got to disprove Bigfoot. I got to get you to. Good luck with that. <laughs> so our deets, you can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Strange Session without the S. We are on Instagram where Krista does just a smashing job at the strange sessions. (laughs) You can send us postcards and snail mail, but no more food items, please. We're backed up with that. To the strange sessions, not not like constipated backed up, but like backed up. Send fiber filled stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You can send postcards and snail mail to the strange sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. And you can call our lonely little phone line at 920-443-9602. I'm already pooped from podcasts, and we got to do two more now after this. I know. One's only 20 minutes, though. That's true. So thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back in two weeks. Not sure what we're going to do yet. I think not the next one, but the one after that, I'm going to see if Corey can join us. So we might do a mini mystery for that one. So just give me fair warning when I have to come up with a mini mystery. Okay, I will give you fair warning. I'll let you know that morning before I drive down here. (laughs) (laughs) So from Krista and I... Just print Reddit off. (laughs) Yeah, just read a bunch of Reddit stuff. Yeah. That's basically what I do. So from Krista and I in the strange cellar, until next time, stay stay strange. strange. And don't get murdered. Don't get murdered.